Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safely. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> no, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, time for Talking Tesla 98. This one is going to be big, huge, large, enormous, uh, quite uh, grande, because we've got the earnings call plus some other stuff to talk about. Right, and it's it's 98. It's feebly making its way to being a centenarian. So, Thomas, let's just talk about the <laughs> eclipse. The eclipse? Are you going? So, for those of you that are not in North America, it turns out that there is going to be a North American eclipse. Doesn't happen that often around here. I actually had a question about this that I don't know because I'm very North American centric. Yes. Like once it hits the ocean, is it over? Like it's not an eclipse anywhere else in the world? It's just on our side during the timing. It just comes over to the North of the Americas. Interesting. And it's doing Australia in, there'll be a similar eclipse in, I think, 2023. Mm. So where uh, are you going, Tom? I'm going. Totality. Here I come. What? What? Totality. <laughs> yo, totality. Yo, I mean, everybody in North America is going to get to experience it a little. In the in Los Angeles, about sixty percent of totality. That's how it That's works. That's so right. bad. Sixty percent scary. Good. And then, uh, as you go north, more totality. Until you, you get more to total of totality. just north of Bend, Oregon is the closest place to where we are. And apparently they're having a whole solar function up there. There's a, a solar event, a solar palooza, as it were, <laughs> will I'm be a, happening. I was thinking about going, uh, but I'm not sure now. And now I'm, the more I hear about it, the more concerned because people apparently get quite uh, regressive. Uh, there's nakidity. Uh, there's drugs. Uh, none of that's bad. But Wait, yeah, what I was going to say, what are you, where's the negativity coming in? I mean, let's let's be honest. You have a lovely place to stay. I'm going to be huddled under my truck somewhere yeah. trying to find it. Um, huddled under your truck? Yeah, my plan was to go camping. Mel got invited. Mel got invited to like inside a friend's house. Inside. They, that, that they same, say I can stay inside. The same friend said, you might be able to camp on my front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said to me. I How was like, lovely. hold on. And he knows who he is. And I'll sure. He doesn't on... listen to the show, so you're fine. Oh, he, he doesn't? No. Oh, I'm going to totally send him a message <laughs> about not listening to the show. Oh. Ah. You know what? He's letting me sleep on his couch because I told him I'd buy a Model 3 and then he could buy it off me. But then we went through the insurance. And it's just such a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> he's not going to be able to buy my Model 3. I don't understand why. What does that mean? Well, we just sort of recently bought a house, and we've got umbrella insurance and all this stuff. So you have to get the car, and you can't, before you leave the lot, you've uh-huh. got to put it on your insurance. And then you get all these letters from your insurance company, and then you say, I've sold it now. And then you've got to tell them it's off the insurance. And, and my wife's like, if you do this to me, uh, you have to get another wife. Uh, none of that is accurate, mm. actually. What? Because you're automatically covered by your own personal auto insurance for like a week. I have my even... CFO, lawyer, and wife saying, please don't do this. It is a giant pain in the ass. Babies. Hey, first of all, thanks to the Patreon people. We've got another, a couple of Patreon peeps and uh, Kay Parker. Hey, 
Thank you for dropping the bag. That's very nice of you. But to all of our Patreon people, thank you very much. I think they had the glory, the the love that is the video version of what we did last week, although we may have had a problem with it. And we're randomly going to select a Patreon and give you a Talking Tesla sticker. And we might, if you want, even sign it. Ooh. I'd give all of the Patreons a sticker, but the current pricing of the stickers that I make is way too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd have to give you all your money back. Yeah. It's so expensive. We should do it. Let's do it. Let's give them all their money back with a sticker. Well, I counted uh, over the last two weeks since I made my first pitch that on iTunes, we got nine new reviews. We're up to 146, which is kind of small since I think we have 190 listeners. Do we have? No, I think we actually have more than that. But we should still plug getting more reviews on iTunes. Yes, please. They're all pretty good. Review the hell only, out of it unless you don't like it. Only good ones. You know, I did the little stats this morning and I was looking up. We've had almost 1.5 million, 1.5 million total downloads. What? And let's let's try this. Leave us a review on iTunes. Yes. Take a screenshot of that iTunes. Yes. Open a Twitter account. Yes. I don't know how to do that these days. Nobody I just knows. have one, so it's already open. So it's I like have you are, to open one. You're if you don't have it. one, and then tweet us your review, and Cece, because she's the smart one, will pick one of you and will send you. A talking Tesla sticker. Who doesn't want a talking Tesla sticker? It's not. Don't like, raise your hand. I see your hands up. It's not like some little little bitty sticker. This is like a large, like it, it's basically a six skin. by the, ten. The covers the entire sits car. on your car kind of sticker. The funny thing is, it actually doesn't fit anywhere on a Model S. You have to buy a cargo van to display the sticker. <laughs> That's how big it is. Kind it's of smaller the, one. It's the sticker you see on the back of my first gen that I've taken it hundreds, hundreds, thousands of superchargers. It's a pretty cool sticker. You haven't taken it to hundreds nor thousands of superchargers. <laughs> You're such Why do you lie to the people, Robert? I don't understand. Because in the words of this one gentleman, I am in I am stuck in Tesla land. You are. Oh, yeah. that's right. Somebody gave you a hard time. They did. They, they they thankfully at least they gave the the podcast five stars. On the plus side, they did not give me a hard time, so no, I'm cool with that. No, it was only me. I think you know, you guys obviously got seven stars each because my zero stars averaged it down to about five. Yeah, zero and seven? I guess seven twice. I got a half a star. Yeah. I was told there would be no math. Hey, we received an anonymous letter, so we're gonna dun, do dun, this letter dun. first because um it's anonymous. Is this from Deep Throat? It could be. And it goes like this. I just finished listening to episode 97, and I just wanted to clarify a few things about the event, but please don't use my name. The event being the Model 3 delivery event. Delivery event. event. Yes. So uh, this anonymous person is an employee mm. of said Tesla. Now, it wasn't really an event for employees. It was a VIP event for the referral program winners and executives from suppliers. And obviously to let the world know that we are actually here, production has begun and on schedule, which is incredible. There are 30,000 employees at Tesla, including folks from SolarCity. 
and only a small percentage of them got an invite to the event. Not sure how many invites actually went out or how many attended. I've heard estimates of a thousand employees. But it was only for employees who are directly working on Model 3 and those who held a reservation or those whose manager got them on the list. And invites didn't go out until the week, the week, uh, of. week of the event. So wow. uh, this is very interesting. Let's go further. It no, sounds very Tesla-esque. Yeah. So uh, we were like, oh, look at all the employees. It's great. So only a very small number of employees and under very specific circumstances get to do, which makes sense because you couldn't have all 30,000 go. No expenses were covered for getting to the event outside of the Bay Area. No food or drink was provided for the employees. No T-shirts, no goodies were handed out. Only to those organizing the event, like uh, workplace and marketing teams, got the T-shirts with the three on the front. Employees actually didn't have any of the Carfax. Everything Model 3 is on a need-to-know basis. Dun, dun, dun. It's like being in this room. It sounds like Apple. Unless your job specifically has you working on something there, you don't know what the options were or the range, and especially the cost. Until we got the invite to configure on Saturday afternoon, yay, most of us had no idea what packages there would be available, and there weren't too many leaks or anything else going on. I was shocked there wasn't more detail at the event, just like we were. You had to go to the forums and the press releases immediately afterwards, same as you guys. So this is a Tesla employee who actually went to the event who said they were as much in the dark as we were, which makes me feel so much better. How could anybody yeah. How could anybody be as in the dark <laughs> as the three of us, seriously? Ah, that's so funny. Time and time over and over, I've always thought, wow, Tesla employees must know stuff. And for what now, five years, I've been trying to milk Tesla employees for information. And typically, the information that I think is really exciting turns out to be false because they don't know in their own way. And so, you know, I talk to them. They say, well, we go to the forums and we go to the customers and we often find things out for the first time from you. Mm. This person goes further and says, uh, I don't mean to sound ungrateful. I get it. We don't make money yet. This is Tesla. We are too big to include everyone and events like this cost a ton. We've been warned that the next 9 to 12 months will be extremely cash-constrained as we will have to build this crazy machine to build the machine. By the way, the unnamed alien dreadnought is for real. We have teams who are working on uh, this project, no joke. They call it the UAD. What is UAD? Unnamed alien dreadnought. First off, the word is unmanned. Unmanned. It has a name. It's called the UAD. (laughs) (laughs) What is wrong with the two of you? Reading out loud is hard. I haven't done this since fifth grade. (laughs) So, yeah, it seemed wildly short for us, too, but still super exciting to be part of, and I'm still proud, and I still love Elon. Love Elon. And now to the fun part of the letter. I got to configure on Saturday. What, what? I had planned on waiting until all-wheel drive, but after all of the reviews and hype, decided not to wait. Good move. I'm leasing an S75 now and considering a somewhat base configuration, rear-wheel drive, autopilot one, leather, sunroof, blah, 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 uh, was all I could manage to afford at the time when they got their S75. Uh, Remember that part about being cash-constrained. The Model 3 will still be an upgrade for me. So here's what I'm going to get. I'm going to get the $35,000 base. Okay. Mm-hmm. Going to get the big battery, another $9,000. Mm-hmm. Going to get the premium upgrade, another $5,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to get the autopilot, another 5000 Going to get the silver, another 1000 Going to get the 19-inch wheels that look better, 1.5K, and 1K destination and delivery for a total of $57,500 plus taxes. Woot, woot. This is my configuration minus the paint color. Well, You're going it's for a black. different paint color. No, it's the same cost, but it would be white and not silver. Oh. Although, 
in the last 24 hours, oh, yes? I've sort of gone back to not paying the wheel upgrade either. Mm. I'd really like to see some either performance or mileage information about the difference in the two wheels. Okay, so that was an issue back when Tesla put out the, quote, aero wheel on the Model S. Yes. This was like three years ago. It was a while ago. And these things, everybody said, oh, my God, those are so butt ugly. Because they weren't so good looking, because I have to say. Because they're, they're butt ugly. They're, <laughs> they're different. And they uh, netted. So at the, well, <laughs> it may be the future, right? Big rig trucks. What yeah. are they doing now? They're putting these big discs right at the edge where the tire meets the wheel for aerodynamics. Mm-hmm. Same difference. But it's not very much of a difference. So back then, when the Model S would go 240 miles, the 85 or 250 miles, this would net you like an extra 6 to 10 miles. Wow. Yeah. That's 3 to 5%. Exactly. It is not a large amount. But Math if, in my head, by the way. But wow. If, you're Probably amazing. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not checking it. <laughs> it is a bit better, but it is not anything amazing. And so the question is, does that make a difference to you? Do you want to go 300 and whatever? How many, how many percent there, Tom? If it was... 10 miles of that. So another 15 miles maybe at the best. Eh. I think it's probably more likely that you learn how to hyper mile and that would be a better way to get long distance. I would take 10 or 15 miles for ugly wheels because I don't care what wheels look like. But if you're the kind of person that really cares about the aesthetics of your wheels, probably not worth it. But here's the, the, the dilemma. From a design standpoint, and I'd like to apologize to whoever designed them because I know you worked hard on them. Yeah. From a design standpoint, I don't like them. From the matte black against the white paint, I love that. Like, I love, love, love it. Those matte black wheels that you can put on your S or X, it's like five or six grand. Everything is five or six grand in Tesla. <laughs> well, so there's a, um, a body shop that's right behind the... Tesla Service Center, the first one, right, on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Los Angeles. There's a body shop behind there that Tesla sends people to all the time, and they'll redo your wheels, right? If you bump up against the curb and you mess up your wheels, they will, you know, grind them and fix them, Polish make them look them nice, and repaint them for like 150 bucks a wheel. Sweet. And if your wheels are in nice shape, they said they'd do it for less. So you could get matte black wheels, Without having to spend mm. thousands. In fact, it would be one order of magnitude less expensive. <laughs> I took a chunk out of my wheels on the weekend on my S because I'm Ow. a bad driver. Or or mm. is the car a bad driver? It's hard to know anymore, <laughs> no. right? No, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> so to this anonymous uh, Tesla employee, really useful information. I think the summary is that this sounds a lot like Apple. Unless you're in the secret group that's working on a very specific thing, they don't want everybody to know because there'll be lots of leaks. And so uh, good on you. Thanks for building the Model 3. Cash constrained. It looks lovely. Uh, Coming soon. So uh, let's uh, find out where we're at today. Tom, still getting it? Still waiting? Yeah. Mel, is he getting it uh, this week? Yeah, this week, uh, today, I'm getting it. <laughs> yeah. And it's been back and forth about 700 times in yeah. my brain. You're in the in crowd if you're getting it today. And Robert? Yeah, no, nothing's changed for me. I Number one, I want to drive it around for two weeks, like I said last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife, you know, she's sort of on the fence right now. She's a little bit uh, thinking that she might like to keep the old S. Mm. So I'm not, I, I haven't 
really pressed her. This is an unanswered. So are you ordering one? Or are you yeah, I'm not... going to order one. I'll give one to my son. Are you going to order it as fully, like, so you can get first delivery and the and and probably the the rebate or no? No, I don't think we need all of the high-end features. He can have, you know, a base model. Not the extended battery, none of that stuff. I think the extended battery would be a good idea because he'll probably be do traveling. I think that's an important uh, feature for him. So, so, so extended battery but no autopilot? You can add that. I'm just asking. Later, it's a, I know you can, Robert. Yeah. This is not the. This is not what can you do to your car. This no. is what later. are you going to do? Autopilot your... later. Autopilot extended, later. Extended battery. So no glass roof. I we don't know that yet. Well, I mean that's pre- premium feature, yeah. right? I'm I'm kind of holding out on that. I think they're probably going to uh, maybe give everybody a glass roof. Well, I'm really. You know how I was confused last week about the glass roof? Yes. I'm even more confused now. There's been a number of people saying they both have a glass roof. Yeah. They're just different types of glass roof. Oh, one's a see-through glass roof and one isn't. <laughs> I'm like, you're really confusing me now. One's supposed to be a giant glass roof versus one's like on the S right now, which is sort of like a sun glass roof. So what are you talking about? I'm so about? confused. <laughs> no, like, so are you, are you saying that the one that isn't a glass roof is a sunroof that opens? No. It's sort of a sunroof that doesn't open versus the panoramic back glass roof is the big giant one. I'm so confused. What are we smoking? There is a very popular Tesla podcast that definitively says they're both glass. They're just two different types. One's panoramic and one is sort of like just a little sunroof over the top of you. That is ridiculous <laughs> on so, so many confused. levels. It makes zero, zero sense. Are we so stupid? I guess I, I went on Google and yes. I said, show me pictures of the different Tesla roofs and it would not come up with they them made next one. to each other. They have not made one. We've not seen one like that. So here's what I will say. If you're a Tesla employee and you're out there. Hey, Anonymous. And you, you find out for us? And you've worked in, let's call it, overhead viewing systems. <laughs> I don't know what they call it over there. Roofs. We would like to know if the Model 3, at some point in its future, is go- when you configure, if you don't want the premium features, what the hell does the roof look like? It, maybe it's it doesn't e- have one to easy. save money. <laughs> so you think it's either glass roof or, or open. Exactly. <laughs> and, the whole, and then the inside is waterproof and you can hose it out. Yeah, there you go. Like, all of a sudden, we finally F- cracked it. All of a sudden, it's an FJ Cruiser. Oh, it's so interesting to listen to other people's podcasts. Definitive <laughs> on so many things that are I unknown. Don't know, unknown. Do you, I do, don't know. Who, it takes a lot of time to listen to all these podcasts. I'm it, interested. It does take. Yeah, a I guess long, I'm. I guess I'm time. behind the times. I can't even listen to this podcast. Yeah, this I wasn't going to say that. I was <laughs> going to say that, but I stopped. <laughs> all right, let's get to uh, the big news of the week. Tesla earnings call occurred late last week, and uh, we've got the audio. I've cut it up. We're not going to talk about every single thing they talked about there because it was quite long, but uh, we'll try and hit the high points. And the way we do this is that uh, we edit in the actual audio from the earnings call, and then we make some statements and some and some talky points about Excuse uh, that. Excuse me? We... Some talky points? Some talky points. So the first thing they talked about is getting up to 10,000 production by the end of next year. Let's listen to what they say. Very confident that we will be able to reach a production rate of uh, 10,000 vehicles per week uh, towards the end of next year. Um, And we we remain, uh, we believe, on track to achieve a 5,000 unit week by the end of this year. So what do you think about that uh, 10,000 by the end of next year, 5,000 by the end of 
this year. So we can we can infer that by Q4 of 2018, they will be making 10,000 cars a week, which means they could make 120,000 Model 3s in the last quarter of next year. That is impressive. Hmm. Uh, so if they're doing 5,000 by the end of this year, that's five. They're doing uh, to do some math there. You better hurry up and get your uh, federal tax credit because they're going to burn through that pretty quickly. Yeah, this is a question that I had for you, Robert, because you are, as far as the show is concerned anyways, the person who knows things to be <laughs> accurate. <laughs> You're the guy that knows stuff, and we're right. the guy that asks so questions. So where are we? Do you know where we are right now with the production number? So let's 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 mm-hmm. just let, the real question I have is: so let's say I decide to get my car in the in this next quarter that's about to start, right? The uh, the October, November, December, which is my window, right? So if you look at at my Tesla, my window is October, November, December, which is the fourth quarter. Right. It's mm-hmm. very distinctly started on a quarter. And I don't know if they're all like that. So then if they get to the end, well, no, because if they deliver 200,000 cars at the beginning of that quarter, right, in October 1. Can I clarify one thing? Yeah, go ahead. It's deliveries in the United States. I understand okay. that. Yeah, no, no, I understand that. Now the listeners understand. Okay, thank you. So when do you think they'll get to the 200,000 number, which means then they have one more full quarter to deal with. Do you think that number will come at January 1? And then anybody who gets their car in Q1 of 2018 will still qualify for the full tax credit? Of all the estimates that I've read, Tesla will not reach 200,000 U.S. deliveries until probably second quarter of next year okay and maybe first quarter of next year which means that from the time you hit and and we've talked about this a lot in the past if they can hit 200,000 US deliveries in let's say second quarter of 2018 at the beginning let's say mm-hmm. that would be the most ideal i think for how the numbers are going to play out so they can deliver that entire second quarter and entire third quarter mm-hmm. All these people get seventy five hundred dollar tax credit. So there's and then it starts going down. So they're claiming that the dual motor all wheel drive on my particular configuration would be available June of twenty eighteen. Do you believe some of those vehicles will qualify for the full federal tax credit? Well, June will be the end of the second quarter. Correct. Yeah. It's I expect possible. it will. Hmm. Possible. So I'm not. I don't have inside information, and I don't think anybody can truly predict. Right. But if you look at the numbers, they're going to send everything to the United States in the first, or I should say, North America, mm-hmm. uh, starting on the West Coast, moving to the East Coast. You know, they're trying to keep it close by, so that probably they don't have to roll out a whole new service update for service centers. Right. They can kind of control this to a degree. But if they get to 5,000 units by the end of this year, yes. they could technically, if let's say the beginning of December, they start making 5,000 units a week. That's 20,000. Do we know what the current production number is for the North America, United States situation? Well, the, the vehicle ID numbers are at about 190,000, but that's not necessarily sequential. When I got my first Tesla, which was in the 12,000s, they had not put out 12,000 cars. Right. They were somewhere, I think, around... It was like they had 3,000 throwaway numbers at that point. So we obsess about this because we're in uh, 
in the United States. Other countries don't have this, so they're, they don't care. But I think Robert's right. We're looking at early next year to mid-next year that that $7,500 will run out. And that's a substantial amount of cash. And so the reason it's important right now is if you do get the opportunity to order, you have to order big enough so that you get it fast enough so that you can guarantee yourself that 7500 Or you just order what you want and let the dice roll, baby. But a lot of people have been asking us via Twitter, do we think right. if I get the standard battery, am I going to get this? Like, that's a big deal it's for a lot deal, of people. It's a big deal, but I think at this point it's a roll of the dice because maybe they won't get production up as fast as they can. They hope to get this fast, then that'll extend it out. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll just knock this thing out and get to 10000 a week by the end of this year. It doesn't sound like it. But. So six months ago, electric... Uh, had an article that said that 183,000 Model S and X had been delivered and that 100,000 of those were delivered in the United States. There's another thing that factors in here, which is actually the next part of the earnings call, which might uh, you might want to put into your algorithm here because they were specifically mm-hmm. asked what's happening with S and X sales because they were concerned that Model 3 was going to decimate S and X sales. Here's what they have to say. One of our big concerns was that Model S particularly and and Model X demand would suffer with the introduction of the three. In fact, this has turned out to be the opposite uh, situation. Model S and X demand increased with the release of the three. John, would you like to just elaborate on that? that This was, uh, you know, we we did express this as a concern. Yes. And and it was a big concern, but um, it, it has turned out to be it's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I think that's right. Not only, as Elon said, we expressed it as a concern. Um, we had uh, we had positive comps both year over year and, and quarter over quarter in, in orders in in, sec- in the second quarter. Uh, but since then, uh, orders have accelerated in July, as we noted in our shareholder letter, um, and they've accelerated further since the um, since the handover event on Friday for the Model Three. So uh, it, it clearly shows that SNX, as our flagship products, have uh, have a strong position in the market and strong demand, um, and that's uh, that's super encouraging uh, that we've got those a, th- a strong product lineup with three cars that uh, um, that are proving to be very popular in their in their individual segments. Um, yeah, in fact, um, I don't know. If, I think we mentioned some of this in the uh, earnings letter, but just some of the. Um, the key stats on, yeah. uh, you know, just say July July orders for SNX were yeah, July orders were 15 percent higher than our Q2 average weekly order rate. So we've accelerated off of Q2 uh, yeah. into July. Um, and as we noted in the shareholder letter, deliveries grew by 53 uh, percent compared to the uh, to the to the Q2 16 in a flat uh, luxury vehicle market. So we're yeah, gaining share yeah. in a flat mark and a flat to market down uh, to down market, uh, and the uh, the order rates accelerated. So July was one of our best months ever. Yeah. Um, again, contrary to our expectations, I, right. I want to emphasize. Um, of course, you know who knows if this will continue, but it's all, all indications are that that it that it will. So uh, all that uh, background noise, by the way, was from the earnings call. It wasn't. <laughs> they're coughing, they're sneezing. Um, so the good news for Tesla is that this excitement about Model Three has apparently increased the excitement about X and S. 
and up have gone sales. The downside for a Thomas situation is that if that continues, yeah. if their S&X sales goes up, then this uh, long tail that we're hoping for getting your $7,500 tax credit could be getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Well, it's not my situation, but it's a situation that people are concerned about. So I, I get that aspect of it. Um, I feel like it doesn't really pertain to me. I would I like the longer range. I think I want the power seat. So all of those things being the only thing that I'm not 100% sure of is the glass uh, roof ceiling thing. Although I was in yours over the weekend yes. and it was lovely. So maybe I'm just overblowing that aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, but two interesting things for me from that last piece of audio is so S&X uh, sales increased. And that was my guess is a lot of people like seeing news about Model 3, Model 3, Model 3, taking a look and being like, well, I don't want to wait. I'm just going to buy one now. I can afford it. Right. And then the other part about it that was really interesting is after the delivery, they got another bump, which was either people who were like, well, they're close enough together. I might as well just get an S now. Or, again, more news and people being turned on to the brand a little bit more. And and sales being able to increase based on that. Like if you were hadn't really known about the Model 3, you're like, wow, that's a pretty sexy car. That was kind of a cool event. I saw it in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times. Now I can go to my Tesla showroom, see an S and an X. I'm going to get one. Yeah, I think it's also, like you say, it's this sort of paradigm shift. If I was up for a car, my lease is up, my car is old, and I want to get a new car. I want to give a car to somebody in my family. And I'm looking for a car, and I'm thinking, oh, an Audi, a Beamer, a Mercedes. Wait a minute. Everybody's talking about Tesla, 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 a lot of Tesla news. Why not? Oh, I'll go check out a Tesla, and yeah. boom, fall in love. Take a look at them. No hard sell, no haggling. Right. Order it online. I mean, right. all of the things that you can do that you can't do with any other vehicle. You, you sure you don't want the special tire coating or the undercoating or do. the window sealing? I want the, or the under tire coating of uh, jelly bellies because I like to keep my jelly bellies in my tires. Yeah. We uh, we'll we'll go a little bit of out of, out of order here for a second because um, I wonder how many people were on the Model Three list saw sort of what it's it is now and like you know what I've decided I don't really want the Model Three I'm going to go for an S so they just like drop the cash on buying an S the Mel Herberts of the thing so what we've heard anecdotally is that 60,000 reservations were canceled right. for the Model 3 after the delivery event. However, you know, just to quantify that, they've been saying they're getting somewhere between 1,600 and 1,800 new orders So let's, talk, let's, have him, let's have him say that right now. Model 3 orders are net, net there's not that many cancellations, so about 1,800 a, a day. Uh, it's important to emphasize, there, you can't see the car, unless you want to look at pictures online, you can't test drive the car. You have to put down a thousand dollar deposit. We're not promoting the car. We, 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 we're not promoting the car. You know, if you go to our stores, we we don't even want to talk about it really, and uh, because we want to talk about the thing that we can supply. You know, if somebody orders a Model Three now, it's probably late next year before they get it. We, we you know we want to get people the car. You know, it's like maybe a one or two month wait for an S or an X. Um, so that's to go off what Tom was saying, and and later in the earnings call, he says, "Yeah, I want to be very clear." Uh, we have a net of 400 and something thousand because 65,000 people said, oh, I don't want this anymore. But currently they're getting about 1,800 net orders per day for the Model 3. Yeah, so they, they sit right now at 455,000 
net orders. And that's based a 12- on what? Where'd that number come from? It came from the earnings it came call. Came from the earnings okay. call. Elon spoke it. It's from the source. And so then he said about the cancellations, that's a 12% cancellation rate, which seems reasonable. Your Twitter poll, I think we suggested it was going to be maybe as high as 25%. So the actual number is a little better than that. And we'll still see. There's people like me who are sitting on them, still haven't decided. So there might be some more. But if your net is going up by 2000 a week, you're okay with a couple of people right, uh, but you're not also, getting it. Yeah, you're also not canceling your reservation because you're really waiting right. to see, like, what is the config? Is there going to be a configuration that I want? Because if you have that number, right, it doesn't matter. You're still farther up the list regardless of when you decide to configure than somebody who gets added today right like that's yes. just the nat- the nature of the game so you're suggesting that that 12% cancellation rate might be actually hiding another 8 to 10% of folks like Mel who are on the fence it's possible well like you've got two right and yes. Mel's got two so so that's 50% like you guys are on the fence about one my guess is you're you're Very. really on the fence about the second one oh i one, fell off right? the fence about two i'm sure somebody's going to want it because at one point, Mel was, I'm returning my S and buying two threes. Like, that was his thing. I'm going to give one to my son, and I'm going to drive a three around because I don't like the S. It's too big. It's too wide. I don't like driving it. I can't park it. It makes me sad. And now he's like, I really like my S. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I think it would be really cool to buy that second Model 3, go up to Fremont, take another tour, look at the Alien Dreadnought, drive it around for like two weeks, and then... Take it to somebody who I've got four people who want to buy it. Yeah. And I've had my time. I've checked it out. I can talk about it on Talking Tesla and then I sell it and that's easy. Yeah. One thing that they did say, which I thought was really interesting, was with a small effort, they could push sales greater than 1800 a day, but they don't want to. And I think I have that later. He has a great quote there, but we'll sort of go through in the order that they did. So, uh, yes, some people like us aren't getting them. Other people really want it. And so uh, the net is very positive. Let's talk about autopilot because they say something which I disagree with and I want to have a good discussion about this one. So this is about autopilot. It's getting better. Uh, As a side note, we're also making great progress on our internal autopilot software. Um, It's getting better and better. I'm really, really excited. I I test drive the... uh, latest development release um, as soon as it comes out and I'm like this is this is really getting to be something special um, I, I, yeah it's, it's really and, and I think it's, it's going to accelerate from from here um, and the, the the talent that we're seeing join on the technical side for uh, for autopilot is is really world-class uh, I don't think there's it's unmatched anywhere I would say I big disagree <laughs> keep in mind uh, <laughs> hey uh, Elon uh, you're driving the next generation, potentially. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. Elon came out a couple of weeks ago and said there's a new autopilot coming, and it is way better. It's butter and it's silky smooth. And I got a little update. It's not the full update that he was talking about, but it is not buttery smooth. i got to tell you, I think it's worse now than it was a month ago. Um, and I think, Robert, you said that's your same experience. It oh, was getting pretty good almost yeah, to man, autopilot yeah. one. Now I find that it's jerky as hell. Yeah. I'm I'm unhappy with my current autopilot. I you know, there are 
definitely differences between driving that thing up and down the 405 versus somewhere else. And I think Caleb of the Tesla show was saying when he test drove, well, he did, he took like for a weekend, a Model S Autopilot 2, I believe it was, or maybe it was one, but whatever. When he was driving around up Napa Valley, it was very uncool. But then when, when he got south of San Francisco on the 280, which is the highway that runs like almost to Tesla headquarters, it was just absolutely rock solid. Why? Because Tesla has driven that route hundreds and hundreds of times. So the autopilot knows it really well. It doesn't know when I'm driving, you know, out to Simi Valley. It doesn't know when I'm driving in places that are just, you know, whatever, off the Tesla beaten path. And it's going to take, if this is how it's going to roll out, it is going to take a long time for autopilot to be like, go pick up grandma in Fillmore. Not right, but imagine. Okay, so that's that's an interesting point, right? Because if that's the case, so even all of these Model Threes that are coming are really only going to be awesome for California, the West, right? It's going to take a really long time for autopilot to reach the East Coast and potentially like making a good impact in the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So I am curious. We haven't heard a lot about how people on the East Coast are getting their autopilot, like in their in their same kinds of scenarios, the non beaten path. And what about the Aussies? You know, you're way behind in terms of uh, how many cars and stuff. How is autopilot? 2.0 2.0 hardware working for you guys down under. Yeah. Because, let me say again, it's gotten worse in the last right. book. And he's always like, it's so amazing, it's buttery smooth. I don't believe he's lying. I just think he's two or three versions ahead of us or on if, places where they drive all the right, time. Right, It's It's, it's uh, location bias. Right. And if I worked for Elon and I was in the autopilot thing, I would be like, which routes does Elon take every day? Let's smooth those out. <laughs> Let's make sure. <laughs> Let's make sure. Like, okay, Elon's house to SpaceX, that's going to be nice and smooth, right? <laughs> right. Elon's house to Fremont, that's going to be pretty smooth, right? I'm, I'm really fine-tuning Elon's route. So let's jump forward, and because somebody late, late in the call asked this question about, are you still on track for driving cross-country? And this is sort of the same kind of thing, right? So let's see what they have to say about that. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't want to comment too much on like individual personnel changes, but, but, but you know, Tesla's a 33,000-person company. Um, uh, if you actually look at our, our executive tenure um, at, at Tesla, it's extremely good. It's above average. Um, I, th- I think we're at least, uh, I mean, maybe a year or two above average in terms of uh, um, executive tenure here. Um, you know, every now and again, something doesn't work out uh, for one reason or another. Um, in the case of auto- autopilot, uh, it, it's very centrally about vision and image recognition, um, neural nets, um, effect- effectively narrow, narrow AI. And, and so that, that's, the, that's the focus from a recruiting standpoint. Um, and I think we've really got... I think we've got the best team in the world I, by, by a long shot on, on that front, and we, we are growing it uh, rapidly with, with world-class talent. Um, and then the Coast Coast Drive, Tom's Drive by the, the end of the year, I believe we're still on track for that. It is certainly possible that I may have egg on my face uh, <laughs> um, on, the, on that front. Uh, but if it is not at the end of the year, it will be very close. So uh, the personnel have flipped a lot, and because there's so much spotlight on Tesla, you think this might be abnormal. And he's saying, "Well, it's really this is what happens at companies. People change jobs, and we know worse. We may be better than other people." 
and he still believes that they can do that coast-to-coast autonomous driving, you couldn't do it in my car. That's dang sure. <laughs> and there's a well, lot of people, I'm sorry, there's a lot of people, different companies that are now really all in on autonomous driving. So my guess is they're stealing each other's employees right. left and right. So that has, you know, if, if I'm working for Tesla and somebody's like, hey, I got 20% more, guess what? I'm no longer working for Tesla more than likely. It's concerning to me that, number one, he's hedging on this. And so it will probably get pushed into 2018. But think about autopilot and how well it performs in places like Utah when it's covered in snow. It does not. It will not. There are no lines to see. So I think that uh, planning your first fully autonomous drive during the winter is is a bit dicey. Well, you just don't want to be the first autonomous car through a snowstorm, but you could be the second one because actually <laughs> that probably increases Makes the, the contrast quite a bit, right? If, if it can think of the tire tracks as lines, and we don't know that it can, but my guess is they're thinking about that. So they'll, they'll go like 37 miles an hour right behind the plow. Yeah. <laughs> Follow Mr. that plow. Mr. Plow. I don't think we were sold a bill of goods. I think this uh, change from um, Mobile Eye to NVIDIA has been a much bigger deal than they uh, could have uh, anticipated. Autopilot 1 in the X, it's pretty buttery. It's pretty buttery smooth with one camera. And then I get into the Autopilot 2.0 hardware car that I have right now, and it is not good. And like I say, it's gone back a little. I'm still waiting for that, dare I say, inflection point <laughs> where the car gets really smart, really fast, and it becomes super smooth. But it's this is why, actually, I wouldn't get Autopilot right now if I got a three. If I said, you know, there's a three coming for you, Mel, in three months, I wouldn't turn it on. Don't spend the five grand right now. You might have to wait a year for this to be really good. I don't know how long it's going to be. Right. The, the trend line right now is not good. The trend line is uh, this is a very slowly getting better and sometimes two steps back, one step forward. Don't bother turning it on until it's good. I just wonder why Tesla has not engaged us autopilot drivers with something. You know, there used to be a feature where you would hold down the right scroll wheel on the steering wheel and you could say bug report and it would record whatever you say up to, up to like, I don't know, 20 seconds. And you could say, you know, whatever, the windshield wiper is stuck or, the, you know, that monarch, never happened. Monarch butterfly just hit my windshield, that kind right. of bug report. <laughs> and uh, not that dog. No? No. Wasp, wasp in right. the cab. Right. Cranger. Cricket. Cricket. <laughs> and so I, I wish they would have something like that. AP report. Just push the button, say AP report and say, you know, it just jerked me out of the lane. In fact, just coming here, I was merging with the turn signal on autopilot to get to the right lane to transition from 405 to 101. And uh, I was in a lane, in the right lane to go through the transition. Before I got there, the car drifted to the right and bumped up against the bots dots. And the little Prius behind me was blasting their horn madly. Baby. Again, we're not Tesla fanboys here, despite what people have been saying. Robert is uh, being very honest here. It's not, it's not quite right. Yeah. And when you take over, and this is what Google is saying that they're worried about, when you go from autopilot, whichever version you have, to human, there's a little delay. And because you have to actually grab the wheel and sort of take back control, it's not a smooth transition. It's often a ooh, ooh, kind of a jerky move. So, yeah. yeah. I'm excited. We're moving forward. But if you're buying a Model 3 for a 16-year-old driver um, with autopilot because you think autopilot's going to make him a better driver. Don't turn it on. I think it's like driving like a 14-year-old. That's an interesting point. So do 
I really actually, this is something we haven't discussed on this show. So let's say you do buy a Model 3 for your teenager with autopilot, but you're not really ready for them to be on autopilot yet. Can you turn it off and lock it so they can't turn it back on? Like, is there a no. parental control aspect to I it? I don't think so, unless you put it in valet mode, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. I'm curious to know, you know, there are some Tesla updates that they don't send over the air that you get when you go to the service center because mm-hmm. they have a, I don't know, a plug-in connection maybe. Yeah. And that may have been in the past. But what I wonder is, let's say come October 1st, Tesla turns on all eight cameras and they're ready to fly with super updated autopilot. Not level five, but I'm mean like much, much more enhanced. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes who hasn't yet says, okay, here's my credit card. Give me my autopilot. Yeah. Does, is that something they're going to be able to download like overnight? Is that something you're going to have to go to a service? I'm curious. And I'm I wonder go to Napster. who has done this. So shout out to Talking Tesla Nation. If you bought a car without the autopilot enabled and you have enabled it since you've purchased it, I want to know how long did that take? That's an interesting question. Yes. So autopilot still got issues, and I should say, for the record, let me be clear. Yes, I understand that they roll out these software updates differently. I do not have the latest one that a lot of people on the interwebs have. So I'm just saying, from my personal experience, um, it's not as good as autopilot one. And in the last upgrade, I believe it made mine worse. That is a subjective uh, review, but I believe it has made it worse. So be careful. As always, I say every time on the show, uh, you're an autopilot engineer if you've got hardware 2.0 right now, and uh, you should be very careful about believing it, particularly when you're next to large trucks. Let's talk about the solar roof. That was the next thing up in the earnings call. Remember, I was going to put a solar roof here in the studio, and I was all excited, and it's exciting. It's going to happen. And I was told by a Solar City employee that they are behind. You're not going to see one of these in the real world for probably a year, much like the Model 3. Right. Here's what Elon has to say about solar roof. Solar roof, we've uh, installed and working the, the solar roof tiles. Uh, I have it on my house. JV has it on his house. Uh, we've, I think, included some of the pictures uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the earnings letter. Um, I want to be. I want to emphasize those are un, those are. The, the the roof is there's no photoshopping on the roof that is actually how it looks there's um, a picture up on the interwebs on and, this and, and and it wasn't taken by some amazing it was like you know take some pics with your with your phone and then and send them over that, that's that's what we're talking about here not some special lighting conditions you know pro photographer situation um, and this is version one and I, I think this roof's going to look really knock out. So uh, there are pictures of Elon's house or J.B. Strobel's or somebody's house where there's a solar roof up there and it does look very pretty. Well, it's beautiful. But let's be clear, uh, that's Elon's house. Elon was probably driving a Model 3, oh, I don't know, two years before I could ever buy. <laughs> so if you think you're getting a solar roof anytime soon, yeah. to me this is a confirmation. There's two solar roofs in the world right now and you're not getting your solar roof for quite a while. Yeah, I wonder whose house that really is. It's surrounded with trees, big the other, trees. The other question I have is it looks like it's somebody's – I'm just going to throw this out there. If it's Elon's house, yeah. it's his guest house. No, it's his guest's guest house. And, and the picture was taken from the balcony of the big house because it is like an overhead right. shot of the roof looking down on the whole thing. Now, it is interesting. You see the installation. It looks like any other roof installation. This has two or three – 
uh, skylights within it. So that's not a limitation to it. It has all of the normal venting that you would see. So, But I do wonder, like, there's a little bit more texture and detail. So there's, like, fine shadow lines all over the place. I would not want to get on top of this thing to clean it because my guess is it would be slippery. You have to, you have to wear your octopus shoes. <laughs> yeah. So solar roof, great idea. The other thing that the Solar City uh, gentleman said to me is like, do you really want to be the first to get this? Because the electronics in here are complicated. You might want to let other people have it for a while first. I think it's just because you want what's going to take to get you into solar panel right now. <laughs> um, so solar roof, I'm excited about it. But they did an announcement for a product which is probably not going to hit the market for another year, much like Model 3. Well, part of the call was that he doubled up on his commitment to the New York factory, which I actually thought was interesting the way that he said it. It kind of stood out to me as like, was there some question yes, about the New York I factory? Because like, right now everybody's like, well, you're making these beta panels in Fremont. What's going on with the New York factory? Right. And and that I thought was a little bit telling that he doubled up that commitment on this call. I had exactly the same response. He said, we are committed to New York. They put a lot of money in there. We're going to do this thing. I had the same. It was like, there was a question. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, there was. Uh, so, Mel, you were probably like online and maybe in the first 100 people to say you wanted the solar roof. I'd like to think so. But, of course, you're on this podcast talking about the real Tesla and the shortcomings of Tesla. So I wonder, you know, Elon's very intent on delivering to the customer the greatest product, etc. There is no chance you're going to be in the first run of solar roofs based on that, I think. Not going to happen. I'm not going to see it for you. You're not going to see it for you. Nobody's going to see it for you. Let's talk about batteries. And let's also talk about that wonderful South Australian installation, which the clock is ticking. Remember that he's putting in the world's biggest battery. It's going to be in South Australia. And he has 90 days or no money. Tick-tock, tick-tock. $50 million. Let's see what they got to say. Um, and then batteries, uh, also you know, making great, great progress in the battery front, hoping to do something around the International Astronautical Congress, which is in Adelaide this year. We're not promising anything, but we're uh, aspirationally um, going to um, have uh, a, a very substantial portion of the battery pack already done in, in about eight weeks. Which is hard because this we have all the shipping and logistics challenges of, you know, getting things across the Pacific. Not, not promising anything. It's an aspirational goal. Um, team's working super hard to make it happen, but I'm I'm excited by the the, the prospect and and, and um, I, I feel cautiously optimistic that that will take place. Cautiously optimistic. Uh, Fifty million dollars if you don't do it on time. Elon has a uh, the trend line is to overpromise or to promise at the extreme, and then later when the realities of the situation come up, he's like, "I think we can do it." I've got everybody mad at me and working really hard. I think we can do it. Do you think that his pledge for it to not be a cost to Australia, like you think he's going to pay for it? Did the board approve that? Is Tesla on the hook for that, or is Elon personally on the hook? Because I mean, he's got the cash, let's be honest. Or at least he's got the stock. Well, he's got the something. Yeah. You know, my guess is he's got the cash, too, <laughs> somewhere. But but still, like, I wonder how that went. So I'd like to make this pledge. You guys cool with that? Can we vote uh, $50 million, maybe? What? 
you, I don't think oh, the board I don't have would 50, be on board. I don't have fifty million dollars. Right. Cover so, it. so who? So, how did? Is he allowed to? Can you make decisions like that as the CEO of a company? You can do anything, but in the end, who's paying? They could just yeah. say uh, that wasn't our pledge, dude. That's on you. <laughs> Read I, the Twitter, Elon. I, I should have jumped uh, yeah. to this because he does talk about the Buffalo Giga Factory and the solar panels and the stuff. So here it is. Just on the Buffalo front, I want to, I'd really want to emphasize we expect the Buffalo Gigafactory to be a powerhouse of of, uh, of solar panel and, and solar glass tile output. It is going to be a kick-ass facility. We've made that commitment to the state of New York. We are going to keep that commitment. There was a question. <laughs> There's actually oh, a, a piece in the Buffalo News that highlights all of these details, but it doesn't say anything new. It was from just like three days ago, August 2nd. All right. So Elon goes on further and he talks about the fact that he has never felt better about Tesla than he does right now. Because in the background here, there was, they talked a lot about money. And I've t- left that stuff out if you want to go listen to the whole thing. There's a lot about money and all this stuff. But in terms of just sort of financially and uh, outlook, how is he feeling? Here's what he said about Tesla currently. Um, this is This is like... Maybe the best I've ever felt about Tesla, to be, to be frank. You know, it's like really, I mean, last week stressed the hell out of me. I, I really think that this is, uh, this is you know, probably the best I've ever felt about the company. Go. It was only five days ago they put that out, that article. But I like this quote that he gave us. It was, when we make mistakes, it's because we're stupid, not because we're trying to deceive you. I think that stands pretty firm with me as well yeah yeah he but well here's a mistake this next one is gives you a lot of insight and i think this is hopeful do you remember back in the day that elon said the model y the car that i really want and i think the world really wants Mm. it's going to be a blockbuster it's the suv version of sort of the x without the falcon wing doors we hope um it's he said we're going to redo everything we're going to just build this from the Bottom up, it's going to have like three feet of wire in it. Well, he said, you know, 100 meters. But it's going to be fantastic because we're going to redo the whole thing. We're not going to put it on the Model 3 base. We're going to make a new whole thing. It's going to be great. Built here's with what, magic. Here's what he says now. And uh, this gives you some insight as to how things might work at Tesla. I think in a prior call, publicly had said, you know, that Model Y or our compact SUV, if it's called Model Y, it may or may not be, um, would be a totally new architecture. Um, I've gone, I've decided, well, upon the counsel of my executive team, thank you, thank you, <laughs> thanks guys, <laughs> who reeled me back from the cliffs of insanity, um, much appreciated. The Model Y will in fact be using a substantial carryover from Model 3 in order to bring it to market faster. That that will that'll really accelerate our ability to to get uh, Model Y to market uh, faster for because it's fundamentally to you know if you look first Dan people prefer uh, an SUV and um, and in fact the, the the SUV market is larger biggest single product segment I believe in the world uh, it will be um, have relatively low technical and, and production risk as a result. Um, I, I still think we want to do the, 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 the crazy thing in the future, uh, but we'll punt that to after the model, until after, until after the, the compact SUV. So the Model Y is now going to be on the Model 3 base because after he made this grand statement, uh, Strobel and the guys go, hey, Elon, come here. Whack! <laughs> what are you doing? Do you remember the Falcon Wing doors? Do you uh, understand we cannot burn cash literally forever? So the interesting thing about this, if you think about it, right, is they could build uh, S and X 
together on a line simultaneously back and forth. Here's an S, here's an X, here's an S, here's an X. And on the Model 3 line or lines, as it may be at, by that point, they could do the same thing, you know, Y3, 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 go back and forth. And that would make them really, really efficient. I'm super excited about this. Um, I would like to make sure that they have a bigger uh, battery so that I still get over 300 miles range on the Model Y. But they didn't follow up, and nobody followed up in the question um, and answer period, which is coming up. I want to know if that is true, when? Because they've talked about 2019 for Model Y. If you now do it on the base of the Model 3, does this mean we'll get it in 2018? But they got a half a million Model 3 orders to fill, buddy. Right. Yeah, so and maybe they will actually just get it in 2019, whereas before it was not happening in 2019. And I read somewhere that they're ex- they would expect a, uh, a doubling of demand on the Model Y. So that means a million and a half cars a year. They can't build all those in Fremont unless they, they need a have, factory, you're right. yeah, unless they have some kind of like manufacturing breakthrough with this U. AD. Right. They talked about the UAD. So, you know, like theoretically, if you if you look at the eighteen hundred orders a day that they're that they're currently getting, uh, that works out to about fifty thousand new orders a month if that pace is Continues. is accurate and it keeps up. So like there there's gonna be a lot of so people means- like let's say if you order if you ordered a model three today and you're like at the end of twenty nineteen and then in the middle of twenty eighteen they're like, well, we're going to start making the Model Y. You're going to be like, hold on a second. Yeah, right. Can I have my car first? Like, can you get through the backlog before well, you produce a new vehicle? At a, at 400,000 cars a year, they will never catch up. Right. Period. Yeah. Um, if they're adding 54,000 a month at 400,000 a year, they can never catch up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not. it can't last forever, obviously, 50,000 a month. Yeah. Because... That just it because people are going to want Model Y and it would pick be, up truck. It would oh, be geez. amazing if they could reach. They would definitely have to put a line in Sparks, right? Is this a good problem or a bad problem? It sounds like a good problem if I was the person making these cars. We can't make this $50,000 car fast enough. Yeah. I have a question. I wonder. I've never seen the inside of the Buffalo Gigafactory. Mm-hmm. Does there any room there to make uh Model Y? I don't or know. Any other I mean, car? my guess is it's a if it's being built for solar panels, like it's a is there room for it? Yes. Like could you take know. the actual space and get rid of the solar panel building? Probably, but it's a probably a very different manufacturing process, right? They gotta be making glass, glass forges, stuff like that. Oh, so. the model Y is gonna be all glass. It's gonna be see through. You're gonna be like <laughs> Wonder Woman. Huh? Wow. <laughs> yeah, you better make sure you don't have stains on your shoes. They but if going... they announce, I'm sorry, but if they announce Gigafactory three, yes, my guess is it'll be some sort of combo plant that can sort of like batteries come in one, you know, like lithium comes in one side and cars come out like this big U boat thing the other side. So he did talk about Gigafactory. He mentioned Gigafactory three, four, five, and six. He did yeah. with Europe and China listed in there. So. I would say if Europe and China take one each, that means two more for the U.S. Unfortunately, that means because these take years to build. Yeah. Um, Unless they're already there and they just need to be converted. Yeah. It still will take – I mean, we're still talking a few years before we get more gigafactories up. It's just going to be a while before they can get the production capacity. And let me just state this for the record on the – on the talking that is Tesla. Okie dokie. At this rate, the biggest manufacturer of cars in the United States will be Tesla in five years. 
Um, in five years? In five I years. Totally if they can, disagree. If they can start building these gigafactories, if they do deals with like GM or with some of their plants and stuff and say, we need another five billion here, another. F- I can see some consolidation here, some deals done where the only person really selling a ton of cars is Tesla. If GM and Ford sell Tesla factories, they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> what, they just get a no, no, I can see them saying, like, we cannot build them fast enough. GM, you want to be a partner, just like with Panasonic? You want to give us a couple of factories because yours are not selling any? We need, to be, we need to be creating, just for North America, 5 million a year. 5 million Teslas a year. Well, just- there is that pent-up demand for this car, remember, for the Y, remember for Elon's. the Tesla truck. You put it all together, mm-hmm. five yeah. million a year. Yeah, semis. Just remember Elon's sort of background history. He does not like to give up control. He's already done it. He's lost. He doesn't want to do it again. He wants to maintain as much control as we can see with the vertical integration building from the lithium on up. Mm-hmm. He wants to have it all done under their roof. Well, he had a perfectly good autopilot deal going with Mobileye, and he was like, eh, no more. Yeah, I'm building my own. Oh, uh, boy. But they're going to need so much cash because these gigafactories cost billions of dollars. So every cent's getting wound back into right, this but, company, but wound back in. 500,000 Model 3 orders and all of the S's and X's at 25% margins, that's a pretty good cash infusion. Plus, once they start, you know, if this Australian thing happens and all of these big, giant, uh, you know, utility-scale uh, power packs go into place they will you know they'll be able to do it. once they get that gigafactory really humming that's when the cash will start uh, really flowing uh, it'll flow but it's going to go right back in so uh, let's talk about percentages let's talk about margins they were asked by one of uh, their callers are you going to be able to maintain this 25 percent margin and when will you get to it because as we've said before if you have a soap factory and you spend a billion dollars on a soap factory which is going to make trillions of bars of soap, the first bar of soap out of that uh, billion-dollar soap factory is a billion dollars. <laughs> That's how much it costs. So when do you get to these 25% margins with Model 3? point at which we are at steady state of uh, 5,000 units a week for uh, Model 3 is about when we reach the uh, 25% cent gross margin level. So it wouldn't be right when we get to 5,000 because initially when you get to 5,000 a week, there's still a lot of overtime. You're still expediting parts from, from all around the world. So you've got a lot of expedite fees. You've got a lot of overtime. Um, so it takes probably from the point at which you get to 5000 a week, it's probably another three or four months before you hit the 25% gross margin. Would you agree, Deepak? I, I agree. You're, um, I was just going to be more cautious. But I, I, I it's, it's, it's something like <laughs> yeah. that. It, essentially, yes, yes. Yeah. You, you need to reach a production level and then optimize at that production level. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately... Uh, I, uh, it, it's a variety of factors, including material cost and cell and, and the efficiencies we achieve at, at the Gigafactory on ourselves. And I'm, I, I, we are very confident we will achieve the 25% target, firstly. On For market. sure next year, 100%. That's right. It's a question exactly no. when. How One, to again, what I say 100% probability of achieving that yeah. at some point next year. Yeah, and I, and I feel really good about it because the bill of material that we have uh, – is so well defined and so clear in our yeah. premiums that we have on prototypes. Is Another way of saying we are significantly less dumb this time. Thank we you. think. Yeah, yeah. So I, and and, and um, 
the, the labor hours required are significantly lower, uh, the way we have structured it's a, the manufacturing. It's designed for manufacturing. Exactly. And so all of those give me much more confidence in this target. And exactly when we'll achieve, I think we'll give you more clarity over time. Yeah, and, and I'd like to give some credit to our suppliers here. Yeah. Um, you know, with... with um, with Ro- with Roaster, certainly with Model S, and and to slightly less degree with Model X, you know we 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 often could not get the the, the top suppliers, and or, or or and we we certainly couldn't get the A team at the top suppliers. Right. Um, what's great about the Model Three is we have that we have that we have the the A supplier, and and we have the A team at the A supplier. Right. I can't tell you how important this is. It it it, it makes a massive difference. Right. Uh, so just a thank you to all the suppliers that worked so hard to to get us to this point. That there's a there's a lot of credit for um, any success that we have. Yeah. And so when you talk about like margins and 25 percent, so if they have, let's say they have 500,000 Model Three orders right now, and they're able to hold that 25 percent margin, and the cars average a cost about 45,000 dollars, right, in purchase price. That means at this very moment, they could have a potential of $5.625 billion in profit built in to just the orders that they have right now. So that's the profit is the entire cost of a new gigafactory. That's $20 billion in cash flow. That's a lot of money like sitting on the table just in the orders that they have right now today. You did wow. some math on that. I was uh, trying to do it quickly in my head, and yeah, if you can make ten thousand bucks a car, which is about you know what they're talking about, yep. and you make a lot of cars, I'm no math genius, but a, a lot of money times a lot of money is a lot of money. Right, exactly. Right. If, if it's just ten thousand bucks a car, and you sell five hundred thousand cars, that's five billion dollars, like straight straight profit, five billion dollars. Especially when you don't pay anything for advertising. Right. No advertising, yeah. and you might be able to do all of this uh, because you've got your suppliers. You don't have to pay them for two months. You've built the car. You've got the money. It's possible you can get it fast enough, as they've talked about, where they're basically doing no cash outlay. These cars are being built for free, as right. it were. Yeah, no yeah. He says they're getting outlay. close to 60 days, accounts receivable, and they are building. They could build the cars when the, when the line is going well in 30 days and get them delivered and basically collect the money before they have to pay the money. So a number of the uh, people who ask questions are financial analysts who are saying, you are burning cash at an enormous speed going forward. Are you going to have to do another capital round? Are you going to sell some stuff? And they were saying, look, right now they look like uh, everything's okay. They expect to have enough uh, operating cash moving forward. We'll just believe them on that. But they are expending an enormous amount of cash. But they did say their CFO uh, did say all of the cash that they've been spending is to get Model 3 up and running. That's where all the money has gone right now. The amount of money they're putting into S and X at this point is trivial. And now their Model 3 is up and running. They should start to get some cash back. But they have burnt huge amounts of cash. The next one I really want to talk about because it's one of my pet peeves and it's about battery announcements because Toyota has made this big announcement (laughs) and have made it in multiple different places. We're going to build electric cars now and we're going to use solid state lithium ion technology and we're going to get so far ahead of uh, Tesla it's a joke. And here's what Elon has to say about battery technology. I love this. Here's my opinion of the, you know, battery breakthrough of the week, uh, you know, battery breakthrough du jour. Um, When somebody has like some great claim that they've got this awesome battery, you know what? Send us a sample. Or if you don't trust us, send it to an independent lab where the parameters can be verified. Otherwise, uh, STF. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> everything works on PowerPoint. Yeah. You know, you could like I give your PowerPoint presentation about teleportation to the Andromeda galaxy. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean it works. So um, Tesla is the biggest buyer of lithium-ion batteries on Earth. Um, you know who people come to first when they've got a lithium-ion battery? Us, because we're their biggest customer. I would love it if, if we could have some break. It would be awesome. Um, I think there are some interesting things on the horizon, but, but then the, the time it takes from something working in the lab to working at moderate production levels, to working at higher production levels, to optimizing the cost mm -hmm. is several years. So it's not like mm -hmm. it suddenly pops out of nowhere. Yeah, JV, do you want to add to that? Uh, I, I totally agree with uh, the sort of you know thought, cautious skepticism on all these announcements, and um, just more specifically on the solid state batteries, Rod. I mean, we we do we've talked to a number of different um, uh, groups that are researching this. We actually have tested a number of those different prototype. Um, you know, very early prototype, you know, single cells. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, we, we don't yet see anything that changes our strategy, and um, we don't see anything there that's... By the way, we'd love it if it did. Please, yeah. please. Mm -hmm. we, Can someone please come up with a back-to-battery breakthrough? We'd love it. We, we would be the um, first ones to want to, uh, to implement it. It's, yeah. But there are some some breakthroughs that I think are achievable. I, 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 they're confidential, so I can't talk about them on this call. But there's one particular avenue that, I, that I'm confident could be made to work that would be the most significant one breakthrough in, in a while but but again that, that you've got to make it work in the lab it doesn't yet work it doesn't yet work in the lab it's promising in the lab you, you go from the lab to small production then you go to large production then you get to cost optimization these are several years okay i wish it was shorter but that's the way it goes so don't worry about that so you know we use voxer between the three of us yes. to talk about ideas and what's coming up with the show and that sort of thing. And I could just imagine Elon and JB and a couple of the high-end engineers in the battery division all on Voxer saying, did you see this idiot, what he said about this new battery? And, you know, basically bad-mouthing all of the nonsense that comes out in the news about the greatest battery that's going to come. You are now going to have everybody trying to hack into Voxer's servers <laughs> to try to hear Elon's private conversations. Oh, I thought you were going to oh say to hear God. your private I conversations. Would, I would freaking love to hear that, oh, actually. Be, that would be funny. It makes me so happy that he says this because I, you know, we do sort of like your Google alerts. And so all my Google alerts is a battery breakthrough, battery breakthrough, solar breakthrough, solar breakthrough. And you realize, yeah, this is all theoretical and it's the lab, but it's great. Keep working. Keep working hard. But the time from when something is done in the lab to when it gets into a car can be years and sometimes, frankly, decades. So uh, we've said this before. It's not like uh, Tesla is going to turn around one like, oh, my God, solid-state lithium-ion battery. Didn't see that coming. And it's not like Tesla is not plugged into the research community, right? They made this five-year deal with Dalhousie University. What's this guy's name? Jeff Don, D-A-H-N. I think that's how it's pronounced. I don't want to be Mel on this. But that was like two years ago. They made this big deal with them. And they've already brought some pretty remarkable reported uh, advancements to the 2170 cell. So... So uh, they're on it, and uh, they'll retool once something actually is real. So for those of you that haven't worked this out yet... Um, Every time you click on that uh, thing that says brand new battery technology, uh, read it, have uh, some fun with it, and then realize it's not coming to market for years.
Let's talk more about autopilot again because now we're in, and I'll do this differently next time. Next time I'll do it by, you know, autopilot and SpaceX and everything else. I'm just sort of doing it in the way they did it at the call. So somebody asked about autopilot. They asked about this liquid-cooled computer. And then Elon says again, the next release of autopilot is going to be really great. <laughs> it, it, it's true that there is an enormous, enormous amount of sort of visual data being being gathered. It's actually quite a challenge to process that data and then and, and, you know train against that data, have the, the vehicle learn effectively from data because just it, it's just a vast quantity of, of, of data. Uh, I do want to emphasize that this this is disaggregated from the specific vehicle, so uh, we. Um, uh, we're always on the side of the owner of the, the car, uh, and 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 uh, do whatever is is possible um, within the bounds of the law to protect uh, privacy. So, uh, uh, but I, I don't have a good answer for you. I, if I, I could answer you right now, um, I, I spend a lot of my my week working on autopilot with the autopilot team. Um, uh, it, right down in the trenches of the, the individual details of um, how we can improve this or that or uh, enhance the neural net, uh, enhance vision, improve control. Um, and um, I, I think the, the release that, uh, that should go out soon is I think people will be really pleased with it. Um, and, um, and then it's going like, to so get rapid, rapidly better from there. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, over time, an autonomous vehicle is going to be far, far safer than a than a person. It's really hard for a person to compete. The car has um, eight eight cameras um, looking 360 degrees all the time. Uh, it's got a forward radar. It's got uh, 12 um, high precision ultrasonic sonars, uh, neutral measurement units, uh, high accuracy GPS. You know, over, over 10 teraops of computing capability that never sleeps. So uh, there it is. Autopilot's great. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. Please hurry up, uh, is all I've got to say. I know you're working hard. I don't want to be whiny, but, you know. Go, team. Go, team. Go. <laughs> Make it happen. Now, the next question that somebody said was, how does uh, your work at SpaceX or the work that SpaceX engineers are doing help with the Tesla? And initially, Elon's a bit testy at the beginning of this. but um, And I should say, by the way, that I've mildly edited some of the audio because Elon stutters so much. I took a lot of it out, but I didn't take it all out because I didn't have three weeks. Yeah, there's there's some really great collaboration continuously between the SpaceX teams on materials and uh, and other challenges. And and uh, uh, we had a we had a challenge in, in service over the past uh, just over the past week. This, this is yeah this yeah. Is, in fact, uh, uh, just thought about this today. Yeah, uh, where we needed to we needed to determine the porosity of an object deep within our structure, and that's something that SpaceX casting, aluminum casting. An aluminum casting. Yeah. That's something that SpaceX knows how to do. Uh, our team reached out to the SpaceX team. The SpaceX team uh, helped us to solve that uh, with some um, uh, with some ultrasound sensors that we could quickly isolate uh, where the issue was uh, and take corrective action. And that it, it saved us eight hours of work per car. Per car uh, that was that uh, that that could potentially experience this uh, this issue. Uh, and that's just one example of a lot of examples of how the SpaceX team and the um, uh, and the Tesla team uh, collaborate, and, uh, and 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 we get help. Uh, we get help from them continually on material issues and other issues like that. So thanks to SpaceX because uh, the tech over there and the engineers over there are helping us uh, with the Tesla. And I'm sure it's uh, two ways. So that was very exciting. Now the next one that I want to talk about. 
or that actually came up in the earnings call, was uh, superchargers. You know, if you've ever listened to the show before, that I am kind of a whiny little, um, yeah, one of those. What? And uh, I'm really anxious about superchargers. And again, uh, (laughs) they've got some stuff to say about supercharging. Some stuff? Because, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot more cars, and I'm really anxious there's not going to be enough superchargers, not that I use them. Yeah, first of all, first of all I want, uh, actually should uh, clarify that the number of supercharges uh, will, in fact, uh, triple between now and the end of next year. We're, you know, we're confident that that, that will address uh, supercharging needs of SX and 3. So we're trying to stay ahead of it. There are occasional places where um, that, 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 are, that are tricky to, to find a location, like Malibu is really difficult. In a few places, but we're we're staying ahead of that. I think I think it's going to be good. We should see some immediate relief by some next customers on some of the key supercharger locations, experimenting with our first sort of I don't know what we call mega supercharger location, like a really big supercharger location with a bunch of amenities. Um, so we're going to unveil the first of those um, relatively soon, and I think we'll get a sense for just sort of how, how cool it can be to have a great place to to you know, if you've been driving for three four hours. Stop. Um, you know, have great restrooms, great food, amenities, uh, hang out. You know, for half an hour and then be on your way. Well, maybe just one other point on on that and how this can scale pretty efficiently. You know, we have superchargers that serve two major separate needs. There's there's long distance route enabling between cities, and then there's also within cities. And, you know, while there are definitely some congestion issues, which we're expanding out of very quickly in the cities, for the most part, the superchargers that are in between cities, you have a lot of extra capacity. And we've put those stations in place, you know, to serve, you know, travel between the cities, but they can absorb a lot more cars. So, you know, even if we double fleet size, it doesn't mean that we need to double the entire supercharge network. We have to address the the few urban sites that are currently you know, in high use, but that can be done much more efficiently with, with less CapEx. So that's kind of what you're seeing. So I'm excited about the fact that they are obviously thinking about superchargers. They've actually accelerated their plans for supercharging. They're going to triple again in a year, which is great. One thing I would say that Mr. Strobel said right there at the end, which I do not believe is true, and actually is a problem. So yes, most of the time, the superchargers between cities are not going to be full. And this is a problem because when there are events, then mm-hmm. they fill up. So we all want to go up and see the rockety rockety go boom, boom up in the air. And so does every other Tesla runner. So you come back for an event like that up the street here in California, supercharges full. Right. One of the things that's happening here in the United States is that there's this big eclipse, right? Yeah. And guess what? I'm sure that there's a lot of Tesla oh, yeah. owners that are going to go up to that eclipse. I was thinking maybe I'll just drive. I'll take a couple of days and I'll drive up and back. One of my concerns is... Every other Tesla driver that's got a few days off is going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I bet you that there is going to be huge, enormous long lines at those superchargers in Oregon on the way there and on the way back. So yeah. there's this difficulty. How do you have enough superchargers for events? Well, Somebody you can't do that, though. There's, but there's got to be some kind of solution for this. There is another example that was brought up over a year ago. A gentleman who had just been through a hurricane on the East Coast and said... They told us all to get out. So everybody got on their car and they drove away and the gas station lines were quite long, but we all got out and it took a day. How does that work when everybody's got an electric car and you have to get 3 million people out and supercharged and 500 miles away? There are some still infrastructure issues with these kind of events. Mm -hmm. And I don't know 
what the plan for that is, except in a in the distant future where there's superchargers everywhere. Right. But there's still some issues with supercharging for events and for bad events. Right. But well, even in those situations, sometimes you if if it happens in a bad spot, there'll be places where gasoline trucks can't get into refuel gas stations. Right. They'll run out of gas. So these things happen. You can't plan you know a network like that for. Every single possible contingency plan, but you know, there that's why you know we're all humans. And if you're fleeing a hurricane in your Tesla and you're stuck on the side of the road, uh, maybe someone could pick you up and take you and your family to safety. Just yesterday, the wifey wifey was at a uh, event, Not you too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a virus. <laughs> oh, god, and so she was in an event, she drove the Tesla, and people asked her questions about the Tesla. And one woman was saying, You know, I'm thinking of buying it, but now I've decided no. Because if there's another like power outage like there was in Los Angeles a few weeks ago, or there's a disaster and there's no electricity, I don't want to be stuck without being able to charge my car. And my first reaction was, Let's think gasoline station. What are those things you hook your car up to, your ice car? It's called a gasoline pump. It requires electricity to pump electricity to pump the gasoline from the tank underground Mm -hmm. to above ground and into your car. So unless all gas stations have power backup, which they don't, you're going to have a hard time filling up your gasoline car just as much as you're going to have a problem filling up your electric car. In that blackout situation. Correct. That correct. Yeah. And that's why you should get a Tesla Powerwall and solar panel so you can make your own – well, you're not making any energy, but you're taking the energy and you're storing it. And that's why I want some Powerwalls at my house. So no. when all of you people don't get any power, I've got my Powerwall, I've got my solar panels, I can charge up and my car. And you can charge up your car and still stay at home and just feel good. That's right. Uh yeah, I don't leave home a lot. <laughs> hey, let's talk about charge times because another issue here, don't need as many superchargers if you can charge up faster. So somebody was specifically asking, what are the charge rates for the Model 3 versus the Model S? Where are we with that? The, the recharge rate of how many miles per hour you recharge is to some degree a function of the battery pack size. So um, you know, like a 100 kilowatt hour pack, is it because because charge rate is as a function of percentage of, of, of pack. So Think of three and 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 a high end S as being similar in in, in charge rate. Um, and over time, we want to keep um, moving that rate up, uh, but they're, they're they're similar. So the charge rates are going to be about uh, the same. Although we do know on the Model Three, on the low end, on the smaller battery, on the two twenty, not the three ten, that the charge rate is max at one thirty. Um, was that right? 130 per miles half per hour. half hour of super charging. Correct. So a little bit less than the 170 on the current S's and the bigger battery Model 3. That is correct. Okay. So we talked about reservations. And uh, let's talk some more about the trade-offs of how fast you can charge and range anxiety. And maybe just one you know, quick point on your, your very fast charge time comment or question. You know, we've actually tested, you know, cells and, and um, even full battery packs that can do, you know, something like a 15-minute recharge. But, you know, to date, the trade-offs, you know, to achieve that, um, we don't feel are, are, are the right ones for the customer overall. Yeah. You end up sacrificing on, on overall cost per kilowatt hour and also sacrificing on energy density in the product. Yeah. And, you know, for something that's used not every single day, not every single charge, you know, we feel that we've kind of hit the sweet spot in terms of the value to the customer and the best product. And that that's kind of what's guided our philosophy. But, 
um, you know, obviously, you know, there's ongoing work to, you know, reduce those trade-offs and, and make it better still. But, um, yeah. We, yeah, we're, but we're pretty, particularly some device like the 310 mile range <clears throat> Model 3, then the, let me tell you, the amount of times you will have range anxiety is zero. Unless you're Mel Herbert. Yes, I don't like statements like that because they're <laughs> just, I get what he's saying, but it's an overstatement. The number of times you'll have range anxiety is zero is not true. There is still, even in the United States and in California, a lot of places that are a long way from a supercharger. Yeah. You want to go deep, dark into the outback of uh, California and get back and you know right. run your car in the air conditioner. For, there are times when uh, this is still going to be an issue. So it's not zero. The only time you're going to have zero is if your car can make uh, suck the energy from the sun itself. There's also times when you're in a gas car that there's anxiety. Right. It's less because there is so much infrastructure over the last 100 years. Yeah. What was it? Uh, 1913 was the first gas station. Yeah. And the other thing that you can think about is, is no matter where you are, chances are somebody in your, in, around you, you can walk for five miles and somebody will have some gas in one of their vehicles. Like that's a, it's a different paradigm because it's everywhere. You can transfer from vehicle to vehicle. Right. Uh, or, but again, these are such minimal use scenarios as to, as to be something to think about, something to consider, a problem to solve, but not a reason to slow adoption. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the integration of the app. Since we're talking about charging, we're talking about solar panels, there's a new app coming. He talks a little bit about it. So the background here is that if you have a Tesla roof, if you have Tesla solar panels, and if you have a Tesla battery backup, and you have a Tesla car, the new app that is coming is going to integrate all this information in. And here's what Elon says about it. Uh, you know, and, and I think that like the new integrated app with uh, where you can see your, the status of your car, your um, power wall, and your your solar, um, and see at any given time of the day um, how much energy is uh, coming from the sun, how much from is coming from the the power wall, um, what your house is consuming. Um, you can also uh, it tells you when um, the it, 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 the when the when the power wall saved you from a, from a utility interruption, people, people don't realize that like there are many small uh, utility interruptions, um, you know, in, in a given month, uh, and then you know, and that's why you're you see, you see the blinking twelve on your microwave oven or whatever the case may be, or your computer suddenly, you know, went dark, and you know, or you can even get data corruption and that kind of thing. Um, or your food went bad mysteriously. Uh, the power will save you from all of that, um, and I think um, it's particularly important in cases where there's like a natural disaster, which could be um, floods, hurricanes, ice storms, earthquakes, fires, anything that disrupts the utility system. But having an uninterruptible power supply in the form of a power wall gives you security uh, in, in those situations, and it's kind of like it's kind of like insurance. Like you really want it when you really want it. I just saw the app for the first time today. I'm using it myself, and it's like, wow, this is great. So he goes further and says, like, if you really, Mel, I think he was speaking to me, worried about zombie apocalypses, <laughs> if you're worried about hurricanes, if you're worried about earthquakes, what you really need is not to be dependent on the current infrastructure, but to develop your own infrastructure in the face of all of this, which would be a solar panels, uh, would be batteries, and would be electric cars, because then you can make your own. But it doesn't... But. <sighs> Don't but if you have settle. to, f if you have to flee, you can't take all of that with you. I can go three hundred and ten miles, right? And then you're <laughs> dead in the middle of the Mojave no. Desert. 
Uh, I believe it's uh, pronounced Mojave. <laughs> and you could take some panels with you. This is why I want that solar canopy. Oh okay? I want mm. that solar canopy that I can put in the back of the car and I can unfurl it. Because even if it just gave me 20 miles of rain Mel, a day, I'll take it. Mel, this show <laughs> is supposed to be part of the solution. Doesn't this belong? Not the problem. <laughs> Doesn't this discussion belong on your other podcast? You freak people out when you say the- insane, lunatic things. But I say them all the time. I know, and people freak out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's uh, jump around a little bit here. Somebody asked them about service infrastructure. Okay, you're going to have a trillion Model 3s out there. Are you going to be able to look after these puppies? This is another big issue. Supercharging is an issue. The next thing is millions of cars. Can you look after them? And do we have enough infrastructure in place to, to yeah. service the Model 3? And I think, yeah, yeah we're, we're finding actually leverage in our own infrastructure, uh, and, um, and that's helping us. So I'll give you a, a, an example of that. In service, uh, as we've talked about, we, we discovered that 80% of the cars that we repair don't require a lift. Um, and so we're deploying a mobile service strategy to take 80% of the cars and fix them where it's convenient to the customer, not at our yeah. location, at their location, and make it invisible to them. It, it, exactly. I mean, like our, our, the, the nice thing is, like, you, you, um, you, like, the ideal service is it's invisible, you don't even notice it, and when it's done, you love it. Um, and so what, you know, what we're talking about here with the, the mobile service trucks, uh, as John was saying, really most of the time we don't really need a lift. Um, is that your car could be parked, uh, it could be at your office parking lot or, or at your house. Um, but let's say it's, like, it's, at, it's at work, the, the, the Tesla te- will come there, fix your car, and by the time you need to leave for work, it's done. That's right. And so what that does for us is it takes 80% of the volume out of our existing footprint and allows us to leverage that footprint to grow with Model 3. Uh, and um, we give you a similar, exa- similar examples in stores. So that's why we've guided uh, to, the, to the OPEX that we've guided for the second half. We feel like we've got leverage there, and we've got, uh, we've got plans in place to, to further lever that in, in 2018. Really great for customers. I mean, this is what you want. I mean, totally. you don't want to bring your car into a service center. You just want your car to be magically fixed in the parking lot, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah, so we're going to provide really great customer happiness at, um, at increasing OPEX levels of leverage. Oh, my Lord. How in the world is that an efficient way to repair a car? So you got a service guy. Yeah. You got a truck. His name's Bob. Sure. His name's Bob, Jim, Jeff, whatever you want to call him. He's got a Mary. he's got a van full of Tesla parts. Yeah. And he's he goes to your place in Culver City mm-hmm. and he fixes your vehicle. Mm-hmm. He adds, I don't know, you need a new doorknob or whatever it is that doesn't need a lift. And then he has to get back in his car and drive 40 minutes to someone else's car to repair that car. So all of that time, as opposed to him sitting in his service area right. and having a car waiting for him to be done, and he can just go one car to the next car to the next car. That's massively inefficient in my personal opinion. I would love to know what you gentlemen think about that. I think it is from Tesla's point of view, yeah, it's more efficient for you all to come to me, to Bob and Mary who are fixing it in a streamlined way. That's more efficient. But I think from my point of view, from the Tesla owner, come to my house and fix it. For example, I've got a little problem with one of my rear vision mirrors or side mirrors. It's not coming out every time. It needs a little fixy fix by Bob and Mary. How much better it is that I, I, hey, Tesla, come over, fix the thing. They come and they fix it, they drive off, than me have to take half my day to go down to the Tesla service station, pain in the buttocks. 
Well, maybe they could sort of route these service technicians around based on traffic patterns. But at the same time, I don't know if you've been to the service center lately, Tom, but whenever I go, there is a barely room for me to drive the car into the service center, let alone park it, let alone them use Tetris-like skills to move the cars. I mean, it's like a busy, busy place. It is, but that's why, like, the one in Van Nuys has valets, and you just drop your car, and you call in a lift, and you drive away, and they fix your car, and and you're done. And then, for the situation, I'm not. I'm not saying it's right. not an awesome user experience. Don't get me wrong. Sure, I want a Tesla guy coming to my house. I'm just saying, overall efficiency for a company that seems like it would be maybe more expensive in the long run. But I don't know the answer to that. Maybe they've done some math and maybe. some modeling. Maybe they've thought about it more than you and I, and said, you know what, the better way to do this 90 percent of the time is have a little van than have a big uh, house and uh, lots of people working in there. Also, maybe. you're talking about Los Angeles. I'm sorry, Robert, but you're talking about a, a place like Los Angeles, where again, there's going to be a lot of Tesla density. Sure. If you're talking about other places in Iowa, where things maybe are a little more, and I don't mean to call out Iowa, but a little bit more spread out, potentially in rural areas. I was just thinking Iowa or, too, or like rural areas of Chicago or or suburbs of right. bigger places. Right, they're going to be a lot more spread out, a lot more driving in between service calls, and I'm not saying that that's not something they can fix and they can't work on. I'm just saying like that right now from this call seems like that's their plan. Maybe it's easier to bring sort of like if you think of service technicians on a tiered system. In other words, guys who guys and gals who know how to fix the mirrors and you know more peripheral things versus guys and gals who know how to fix motors and uh, power electronics. Right. Maybe it's easier for them to staff up in this time, and maybe they're foreseeing this as sort of like a training. Uh, spectrum. So we get a bunch of people in to drive the van and to do the easy fixes and then check those people out and then pluck the good ones. And now we've got a pre-prepped group that we can put into the service centers. But they're saying 80% of the fixes don't require a lift. That was sort of the mechanism that he said. That doesn't mean they're necessarily easy. Right. That just means they don't require you to be under the car, which means it's probably not a suspension, drivetrain sort of issue, right, right? or or getting new tires, which I'm assuming they're not going to do mobily. But there's a lot of really complicated – like it – Falcon wing doors being fixed oh, on no, the they fly. Oh, no, they never break. They're fine. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, or the like, my guess is taking those door handles in and out. I mean, I, I wouldn't oversimplify the repairs of the simple things. Yeah. Now, Grandpa has already told us uh, the solution to this, and he told us about six months ago. You remember Grandpa, 84-year-old yeah. uh, engineer? Grandpa said, yeah, well, in an autonomous driving future, Mel, uh, your car will just leave your house at uh, 11 a.m. It'll go to the service station, mm-hmm. and it'll uh, get itself serviced, and then it'll come back. Well, Thank here's you. another possibility with that. So let's say there's 50 cars in an area, right, uh, whose owners have all gone to work. And they're within a 25-mile radius. So the supercharger or the uh, the repair guy sets up in a parking lot and that Tesla leases for the day or whatever. And then those cars just come to him and he fixes a one, 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 right? But those cars are still coming to him. That's the more efficient model that your grandpa very astutely recognized there's a different way to do that model, but it's still the cars come to the service guy model. So I think we'll end it there. They did talk some more about money and some other things. They talked about whether the S and the X would start to be built at the Gigafactory. Um, 
they're going to have to shuffle some stuff around because they need a lot of capacity. There's going to be a lot, I think, in the next uh, few months of discussion about new gigafactories, where they are, where they're going to build these cars, what's the most efficient, things are going to be shuffled around. But let's move on and do a couple of other stories, and then we'll do some letters. And first of all, um, Robert, do you want to talk about uh, yeah, money? Just announced. you like money? They were talking a lot about money and CapEx and how much money they had in the bank. And it sounded like Tesla was all set. They had like $3 billion. They figured they were going to burn a billion, have enough left. But I just caught this on the Tesla website just now. They announced that they're going to put out a $1.5 billion offering of senior notes. So what's that? So this is a bond, yes. not a stock offering. So it's right. a corporate bond at a fixed rate. Yes. And so they're going to basically raise more money to to shore up their cash position. That's what the announcement says. So uh, they need a lot of money. They're burning a lot of money. We've gone through it. One thing we haven't asked today is, hey, Google, what is Tesla's stock price? As of 1247 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time today, Tesla shares are trading at $356.84 a share on NASDAQ, down 0.02% from last Friday. So uh, the stock price is holding pretty well. I actually thought it would do a bit of a collapsy collapse uh, with all of this talk about the cash burn, the Model 3's out, and now that's all of the excitement sort of gone down. But it's uh, holding. It did peak at around 389. So it's still down from its peak, but it's holding. Wow. So this, with this $1.5 billion, according to Business Insider, Tesla will have tacked on $4.5 billion in liabilities in less than a year. Uh, that's the profit that we t- discussed a little <laughs> while gone. ago it's gone <laughs> it is still a risk and we say this every time i believe that uh, if tesla is successful it'll be a multi-trillion dollar company and this will all be history but they can't screw up because they really have a lot of debt and they yeah. have a lot of cash burn mm-hmm. they can't screw this up it'll go badly i thought it was interesting that they talked about putting solar and energy products into all the tesla stores and how that is really pushing sales higher and he said that their sales per square foot is so great we should open more stores uh very impressive more than apple like he said you need a telescope to see who sells as much per square foot uh than we do one of the other things and i didn't have it in there actually which is uh, my bad he made the analogy of we basically have the possibility to sell an infinite number of cars. Well, not really. But he says it's like a hamburger joint. If you've got a hamburger joint and everybody loves your hamburgers and you're just selling so many hamburgers, there's an hour and a half wait. You don't go out and tell the world, come around and buy more hamburgers because then you're going to be a four-hour wait. So they're in this situation where they can't build them fast enough to get the cash, but they can't advertise more to get the cash that's potentially there because they can't build them fast enough. Yeah. So it's a weird situation. They're in a in a death cycle. It's a conundrum. <laughs> it's a good conundrum because it's better than having the $5 yeah. billion dollar gigafactory and it's sitting there and nobody's buying any batteries. Right. So their issue isn't that they're not profitable, right? They're not going to be profitable per unit. Their issue is that they are just – it takes an incredible amount of money to build manufacturing on this scale, which is why – it hasn't been done in this country in a very, very long time. It does uh, make you appreciate the size of the GMs and the Fords and the fact that they have this manufacturing capacity. They have it all over the world. It takes time. It took them 100 years to get to where they are. I think Tesla needs to slow down on the events, slow down on the earnings calls and the reveals and all this stuff, because we literally have three to four weeks worth of stories 
that we haven't talked about. I know. But maybe we can talk about superchargers for a minute. Can we? Can we? Let's do. Let's do that. This was a big supercharger week. 11 new superchargers. Although, Mel, only one of them in the United States. Oh, sad. There was one in Italy, one in Taiwan, and eight in China, which drew me to look at the China map versus the Western United States map. I put them scale by scale next to each other. And you can see that the density of chargers in China, this is Eastern China, is approaching the density in the Western United States, which I think is unbelievable. There was only, what, two years ago that they said they were going to go to China? And we thought, wow, how is that going to work? Wow. It seems to be working pretty impressively. There's one supercharger entering construction in Hermitage, Pennsylvania. Did you want to say something, Mel? No, no. I like those red dots. I like red dots. Yeah, red dots are good. Hermitage, Pennsylvania. It's on the eastern border of Ohio, right alongside, um, I just said, Ohio. But it allows you to drive now straight shot from Cleveland to New York City. And did you know that Hermitage was uh, formerly known as Hickory Township? I, I did not know that. No. I wonder how good the Hickory Burgers are there. And so that was that's an old place, 1796. Yeah. And it was also the site of Pennsylvania's most deadly tornado in, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but a lot of people got hurt and injured. So if you're supercharging in Hermitage, Pennsylvania, keep your eyes up. Heads up. And the reason there's so many superchargers opening in China, just to give you guys a little bit of background, in 2016, Tesla's sales to China tripled over the previous year, and they delivered 10,000 vehicles, 10,000 plus vehicles in 2016 in China, which is 13% of their 80,000 worldwide delivery. So China is fast becoming a huge market, 1.1 billion in revenue from China for Tesla last year, and that helped push Tesla into the Fortune 500 by having more than $7 billion in revenue. Turns out there's a lot of people in China. Uh, there's about 1.5 billion people. And just yeah. do the math on this. If somebody in China says you're a one in a million guy, there's 1,500 people just like you. Oh, that joke is so Do you love that joke? So Bam! It's so <laughs> good. Terrible. Go on, Robert. I was going to say most of these superchargers in China are relatively small by our Western standards. Two plugs, four plugs, six plugs, they're not that large. So I don't know if that enables any, makes it any easier for them to roll them out. It seems that, you know, just securing the spot and getting a quality power supply and putting in the concrete and stuff, if you put in, you know, two supercharger plugs, you could put in 10. It wouldn't cost you that much more. Right. But again, like they say in the earnings call, right, they do this stuff based on volume, right? And then they can, my guess is that they've built in ways to increase it exponentially. Like they have the spot that they'll put two there because that's all they need. They don't want to have 40 being unused in China when they need 40 more in L.A. Those things, as we, we've discussed ad nauseum, they're not cheap. Yes, they're not true. giving them away. Yeah, But I've got some good news, a couple of other uh, stories before we get to letters. One story that I wanted to do, everybody gets to choose a couple of stories before we uh, get to the letters. Yeah. I wanted to do the, the fact that the Model S broke a record. Woo-woo. We've been talking about this for a long time. Who's going to hypermile the crap out of 100D. An Italian group did the deed. 
the first electric car to go over 1,000 kilometres, 621 miles. This took them, it seems, about 29 straight hours of driving. Although we don't know the exact number because they didn't really release any details. They didn't tell us a lot of details. Well, but they, uh, screen, they took a screenshot, screenshot of the dash. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't even use the entire battery. I think they only used uh, 98.4 kilowatt hours. So they had a couple of kilowatt hours left. Yeah. But they did it, unfortunately, at an average speed, at least over the last two hours of the drive, people have calculated at just 23 miles an hour. Yeah. So what I'll tell you about this that makes it interesting about a conversation that we just had. Let's say, Mel, you're fleeing a hurricane yes. with 14 million <laughs> other Angelinos. Yes. Yeah. You're not going to be going faster than 23 miles that an is hour. True. Yeah. So you are, by definition, hyper-miling. <laughs> You'll make it all the way to Vegas. You're welcome. It'll, it'll be fine. Excellent. So does anybody else want to do any other things before Absolutely. we get to letters? Absolutely. Okay, give us something. I'm excited about Falcon Heavy. I've been talking about that for ages. It's coming in November. Uh, and so Elon just, I think it was yesterday, released on his Instagram a new video showing the Falcon Heavy and how it will go up. I don't know that it's that different. I think they've changed the architecture of the actual structure of the three-tubed boosters assembly. And that's pretty much the only difference that was there. I thought that was very cool. My other story. Well, before you finish, let me go, there was one thing they left out on that animation. So they show the thing going up, and it's got <laughs> twice the, the thrust of everything. Else. They don't show it actually exploding, which is what Elon hey, thinks is going to happen. Come on. He's pretty sure it's going to explode. That would be very, very bad. It would, would be, be bad, terrible. but he's been saying, like, uh, it's got a pretty good chance this is going to go boomy boom. You might want to go and right. watch it. There's a, there's a, I don't want to go watch if it goes boomy boom. Well, like I the do. first few Falcon rockets blew up. It just happens when you got a new rocket. Yeah, It that's would be true. a big right. boomy boom. You say so. It would be huge. It would be like three times the boomy boom. <laughs> Are you going, Robert? I so want to go. Yeah. Yeah. If I go, I want it to go boom. Yeah, my wife doesn't want to go with me, or maybe she will. I don't know, but I'm definitely going to go. So maybe I'm we so need excited. the Patreons to start stepping up and sending us to Florida. Yeah, especially, in, and it would be great to try and be part of that NASA social media yeah. sort of program where they take you kind of behind the scenes. We asked. We'll oh, take, my God. We'll take, uh, with, we'll take our, our SpaceX friend Robert with us, and it'll be fun. Maybe they'll strap us to the rocket. No. No, they won't. If Maybe they'll Patre- strap you to the rocket. If you ask Patreon, uh, how much is going to cost to strap us all to the rocket? <laughs> this show could be over. They'd probably come up with a lot of cash. Wow. wow. Yeah. Mm. That's harsh. That's terrible. There's a big, big week or two for Hyperloop. Oh, this Hyperloop. Is a lot of news. Ginormous. I'm not sure which of these I should talk about. There's talk so about many the stories wired here. one because that one, to me, is the most interesting. Uh, that's the full-sized pod yeah. races through the hyperloop for the first time so just last month we saw hyperloop one that's one of the two commercial companies developing the hyperloop put a like thousand foot long track uh to use they they had a sled in it and and then at the end of the video they showed this black sleek pod mm. and that was just kind of like this teaser oh. well now they've actually put the pod through the tube and it's big it's a big pod it will hold a container another a, a half standard container a 20 foot container a 20 foot container but it wouldn't be that that hard for them to stretch it right it's 28 feet long 11 feet wide this is big i mean you could stand up nicely looked, in that when i saw it initially i was like holy mackerel they got a city bus inside the hyperloop right this thing is happening they uh they accelerated it with three thousand horsepower of force i don't think i could tolerate this zero to 192 miles an hour 
in five seconds. That's fast. I think Holy I'd lose smoke. it. That's kind of cool. That's got to make Tesla a little bit crazy. They're like, if that, if we're in ludicrous mode, what the heck mode is that? Yeah, that's even more than maximum plaid. <laughs> and so you can think about, like, what would you put? What kind of, you couldn't put eggs. Why? In a shipping container and accelerate it like that. Eggs are badass, man. Yeah. So I, I'm sure they can control the acceleration. They were just trying to see how fast they could get this pod oh, to go. Oh, you think they can control the acceleration? Do you also think they can control the deceleration? <laughs> I hope they can. <laughs> that would be advisable. I don't know. This thing's out of control. We just put things in it and shoot them forward. Well, people were – I've told, talked about this story to other people, and they're like, oh, there's no way I'm going to ride in that. I'm not going to do – I said, but you know what? All the crap you buy on Amazon is going to ride on that. Oh, yeah. Because if you think about it, I looked up the numbers. Mm-hmm. Shipping containers, 12 million shipping containers being used around the world right now. Yeah. And most of them are these standard-sized 40-foot uh, containers. All they'd have to do is expand the pod a little bit. Mm-hmm. And boom, these pods could be churning yeah. the containers all over the place. So when we first started talking about Hyperloop at the beginning of this show, I was kind of like, I don't know, it seems so like science fiction 25, 30 years down. Once they put this pod that looks basically like a city bus and they got it up to uh, 192 miles an hour, I'm like, this thing is actually going to happen. We are going to see this thing. This is not going to be theoretical for very long. Don't bet against Elon Musk. And so this was, I thought, an amazing thing. They got the pressure down to almost no atmospheres, 0.02 kilopascals, which is like really, really low. How long it took for them to actually deep pressurize the tube that's a question i'm interested in there's a guy with a bicycle pump going and they said that they're testing it and retesting it every day yeah so this thing is definitely moving forward i think they've already got money from uh dubai and the emirates to build a hyperloop there for real i'm just curious as like is the first hyperloop going to be an above ground thing i know elon really really wants to dig hyperloop underground yeah like hyperloop one working in that same sort of direction or are they just like, eh, we'll put them above ground. I think they're just trying to get it to be operational. Yeah. They haven't even announced what the stations or the in- injection points, if you will, yeah. will look like. Uh, there's been some pretty wild speculation that these pods would come pick you up and it would autonomously drive you to some station where you're automatically inserted into a tube and the systems are all automated, almost like the, you know, the vacuum tube systems used in like department stores and Costco and such. Am I asleep through all of this? Because it sounds lovely. Well, you maybe watch watch the screen on the back of the seat in front of you. It won't be you know you won't be able to watch. You'll be able to listen to a very small portion of this show since we're going so long <laughs> because it'll only take you you know whatever twenty six minutes yeah. in and out to get to San Francisco. Wouldn't it be great if uh, Talking Tesla became the official podcast of Hyperloop? Yes, that would be great. Dreaming. We'd, have to, we'd have to shorten the show considerably. That's right. That's right. We can go across the country in less time than the show takes <laughs> to uh, get done. So could you uh, speed yeah. it up here, kids? Whatever. We'll have to cut the show into little segments so you can just listen to them yeah. in part. There, you know, Elon is reporting that he's going to go ahead with the Hyperloop going from New York yeah. to Washington, D.C. Which will be pretty darn cool. He thinks he can do that in like under an hour? I think it was 12 29 minutes. minutes. 29, no, 29 minutes. Oh, I Washington. think it's going to take a little longer than 29 minutes to build a Hyperloop from no, New the, York to No, it's the Washington. trip from. Oh, like the once trip. it's oh, built. Oh, I thought you understand. I thought they could build it that fast. That would be great. Even the fastest, which is an airplane going from 
Kennedy to Reagan is an hour and 15 minutes, and it takes an hour and 15 minutes just to get through TSA. Oh, at least, at least. And then just to give you guys a quick update, Hyperloop Competition Weekend number two is coming up in Hawthorne, August 25th through 27th. So we should see, you know, the next stage of what's happening over there. There's a lot of teams. I think 26 teams are coming from around the world, and the stated goal is speed. Maybe we'll get invited to this one. <laughs> There's a little story here about Hawthorne Mayor Alex Vargas hanging out with Elon. Yeah, I was trolling through the, the internet and I found the Daily Breeze, which actually is a newspaper from the hood. That's Hawthorne and Inglewood. And they had pictures inside the tube, the mm-hmm. Boring Company tube. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was quite remarkable. The, it turns out the mayor of Hawthorne is trained in physics. Oh, of course and he is. he and, like, Elon are mano a mano. They're, yeah. they're boyfriends. Neither one of them was smart enough to put on a hard hat, though, when they went down underground. These two guys they're with have hard hats and security vests, safety vests on. And Elon and the mayor are across from, the, from each other in the tunnel and not wearing hard hats. Of course, none of the machines are probably going, but well, it's know. a pretty cool. I don't know how far into the tunnel we are, but I see no sunlight coming in. And I wonder, you know, how far have they gotten so far? This is pretty exciting. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. There's uh, 11 proposed Hyperloop routes. Mm -hmm. So Hyperloop uh, 1, the same company that managed to set the speed record for the big pod, had put out to their community, uh, where would we best build Hyperloops in the United States Mm -hmm. and Europe? Mm -hmm. And they looked for trying to decrease traffic congestion and improve transportation along heavily trafficked corridors. Mm -hmm. And they actually came up with... a whole long list. Big list. Big list. And some of these are pretty long, like Cheyenne, Wyoming to Houston, which would definitely support that whole, you know, fracking energy development corridor. Is that a busy corridor? I don't know, but I think a lot of trucks carry a lot of oil mm, and a lot of natural gas sense. down that corridor. Well, let's not build something for the, the Hyperloop isn't for natural gas, right? It's, it's not, for revenue. They're not going to be putting tankers in that thing, I hope. I'm not going to be in front of or behind a yeah, tanker be of stuff. I like the one for me personally, 121 miles from Los Angeles to San Diego in 12 and a half minutes. Wow. Imagine that route yeah. with a stop at the Disneyland parking lot. Like you go from downtown L.A. to the Disneyland parking lot in five minutes and then another f- seven, eight minutes till you're at the San Diego Zoo. That wow. would be Amazing. Yeah, you could go down to San Diego for lunch. Uh, yes, and they have excellent beers in San Diego. Is there? Mm. I was wondering what you would choose down <laughs> Hello. there. Well, I think that the main thing that uh, Elon wants to do is Hyperloop from the Gigafactory to to Fremont Factory to Los Angeles. I wonder why he wants to do that. Yeah, well, I think it might have something to do with batteries and sleds and cars. And, or his commute. And his commute, of <laughs> course. Like, you know what I want to be in Fremont in 10 minutes? Honey, I got a meeting in Fremont, uh, and he goes like this, zink, in his living room, down to his elevator, and boom, out to Fremont 10 I wonder, minutes later. What would, Tess, what would Elon's pod look like? It would be. It would have like E1 on the side of Something it. Something out of James Bond. Yeah. yeah. Can we do letters? Please. Let's do some letters. Um, the first letter is from Richard, Hi, and Richard. it's about episode 96, and he's asked the big question, how is this all going to affect the auto industry? Um, this Model 3, this the fact that they can't keep up with the sort of the number of orders that are coming in. Mm-hmm. And Richard, I think that uh, it already has affected the auto industry. I think that, as we talked about last week, even if it fails, the auto industry has 
change direction. It's going EV. Some manufacturers have said they're going to only build EVs. I still think it's a huge problem if they fail. But if they succeed in the next few years, they have completely changed the transportation industry in the world. Yeah, they're driving other automakers. They're dr- Tesla is driving countries to say, hey, no more ICE cars by X amount of years, right? Like that is a complete sea change based purely on the sexiness of what Tesla is doing and the amount of technology and the all-in aspect of Tesla. And I will say the real test in the long term will be can the batteries continue to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and then – you know, this is a question we don't know the answer to, but what's the theoretical cheapest like a 100D battery pack could possibly be? And 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 would a company be willing to make that kind of investment in that factory for a 5 or 6% margin as opposed to Tesla's 25% margin? Like, I don't know. I don't think the normal auto industry margins are in 25% except for the big SUVs and things like that. John Erickson has a, a sort of comment here about, you know, does that internal uh, portions of the Model 3 and the big screen make look to you like this is all about movie watching? Hmm. And uh, I think the answer is yes. Um, yeah. I think that's exactly what where this is headed. In the future with uh, Level 4, Level 5 driving, then the only thing you're going to be doing in that thing is surfing the internet and watching TV. You won't be using the steering wheel at all. You know, shout out to uh, Caleb and Mike. They were talking about how the Model 3 to them, and they got to ride in it, unlike us. Yes, they got to go. Yeah. Jealousy. M- looks like a car that has something very much out of place. The steering, steering wheel. wheel. And so someone helped them, and they photoshopped a Model 3 dash without a steering wheel. And it looks wonderful. And in fact, that's probably what Tesla has in mind. And he tells me that, Mel, you should get the base Model 3, get the incentives, and you'll get it the car for under 30K. Well, it's not clear that I would actually get the incentives if I got the base model. My latest idea, I think I've already said this, is maybe what I should do is I should be the guy buying a second-hand Model 3 in July uh, next year. I don't know. I think at the beginning of the show you were buying a car. Now you're buying a used car. I'm very, very confused about what's happening. I don't know if you knew, Tom, but I'm, I've suffered from a disorder <laughs> and uh, actually quite a number of them. Robert yeah. could tell you about what's it's called Confucianism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, uh, another letter here from Torbjorn Bekunhardsen. Torbjorn? <laughs> it's Torbjorn. Sure it is. Bernhardsen. Uh, he sent us a link to mobile inductive charging, and I want to say a very similar thing that I said about batteries. You can spend your whole day looking at mobile inductive charging systems and solar roads and all of this stuff, but guess what? Get back to me when they're actually out there because yeah. uh, it's a little frustrating to get excited. Oh, this could be great, but there's nothing happening currently that's a lot of money, a lot of infrastructure. Yeah. Yes, please, keep studying. Right. Uh, uh, keep doing the research. Uh, maybe there'll be a breakthrough, but... I don't see anything for quite a while. Yeah, it's a cool idea. We talked about this in terms of like buses, right? Because they stop every five minutes. They right. could get like 35, 45 seconds of super high density induction charging right away. That's pretty awesome. I read this article. I, I zipped through this whole PDF link that he sent us. And then I learned there's 43 million cars on the road in Germany, which is a country that is going full blast. All of its automakers are like electric cars, electric cars, electric cars. They could turn over their fleet much quicker than we could turn over our fleet. They have about, you know, a tenth the amount of cars. Right. Tulio de Medio um, says Nicely this done. from uh, Melbourne, Australia, mate. Um, 
trying to estimate the battery size. So you now, Tesla with the Model 3 doesn't want to talk about how many kilowatt hours the battery is. They just want to talk about range because that's what normal people want to know. Mm-hmm. But Electric and others have uh, determined that they think that the batteries are a 55 and a 75 kilowatt hour battery pack if you care anymore. I'm, it's interesting. I don't really care anymore. Yeah. And a lot I just of care qu- about range. And a lot of people are questioning whether or not there's going to be the ability to upgrade the battery. Like if you buy the small range battery, if you're going to be able to upgrade it at a later date to the 75, Tesla is going to be like, guess what? You've got a longer range car. That will piss people off. I don't think that's going to happen right away because I think they're production constrained at Gigafactory 1. Yeah. I think they're just pushing it as hard as they can to right. get batteries out at the beginning. Make those 75 sleds, make those 75 sleds, and then start to make some 55. More importantly, he gives us a link to a video where you can actually look at the glove compartment. That's the most important thing. It's tiny. Yeah, it's kind of small. It holds your book. It probably holds uh, Mel's hat. Maybe. And in the same video, they show that center console. There's a ton of room yeah. in that thing. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Mel can staff, stuff all kinds of smelly things in all there. all of his dirty hats in there. Yeah. That'd be cool. Another thing in this letter is about electric and actually uh, Teslarati and others uh, noting that there is actually a rear-facing camera that looks at the driver. It looks at the inside of the car. The entire car, it yeah. sees. Mm. So this is part of what we believe will be tech. It's not turned on yet currently, but this is part of sort of autonomous driving, particularly when you're at sort of level three where you're supposed to be awake. The car can do most things, but you better be on backup. And Mercedes and other people have this. Like if it sees you falling asleep, it'll go, Tom! Wake the hell up. I can't do this by myself. It'll also be useful when it's on the Tesla network and you want to find out who vomited in the back of your car. Just uh, get the recording from that. Oh, it wasn't me who vomited. That's fake. It just Uh, sort of. Yes, it was you. I was going to say, it just sort of reminded me of, you know, the 2001 when you've got. Oh, that was Hal the computer. Nice. William B has a letter here and it's about the S3 XE sexy aero wheels. And is it worth getting these? Should I just rip the hubcaps off these things? A lot of people do not like how these look. I could take it or leave it. We've already talked about it. It would be a big deal if this gave you a significant more range. That would be great. Yeah. But if uh, they just did this because of they thought this was nice styling, I think they missed the point because nobody likes this. Yeah, I don't know. And he asked the question is really like, can you remove the plastic front cover? So he's sort of assuming it's like a plastic cap over just a plain steel wheel, which I don't think is accurate. Yeah. Is actually, accurate? there are pictures out there now that show the aero plastic cover off where you can see the five lug nuts. Uh-huh. So is it the whole outer part, or you're talking yeah. about just the center part comes off to expose the lug nuts? No, nose? like no black is left. So it's basically when you take it just off. a hubcap. Yeah. Mm, I'm out. <laughs> Tim Galinas is talking about cameras, and he loves the show. Of course he does. And uh, he says, you know, they've got all these cameras in these cars. Mm-hmm. I would really like to get access to this so that when I, you know, crash into somebody, uh, that I would have a record of that. So basically, can we have access to these cameras? Third parties have access to these cameras would be really, really cool. You know, all those Russian dash cam videos? Yeah. I want to be that guy. I don't necessarily want to put in my own Russian dash cam, but you've got the camera there. Can I just use it? It'd be kind of cool. So you can catch your own meteor coming yeah, down. I, and I love those ones with windows. windows. So cool. No, yeah, this isn't going to not gonna happen. Cam. It's not going to happen. This has been something people have been talking about ever since cameras were installed on the car. And Tesla has said no, that the cameras are only tuned for their visioning program. It's very blue and
and gray shifted, and it's for very high contrast, and no, you can't get the images. I think a few people have tried to hack into the system, and in reality, I don't think the system actually records on a continuous basis. I think it just takes clips uh, and then sends those, uploads those to Tesla Central for their sort of mapping system. Uh, that's all I have to say. Brian gives us a little note here, and he's talking about China. But first of all, he says he listens to all of the Tesla podcasts and ours the best. So to all of the other podcasts, <laughs> we're the best, Brian said. Um, <laughs> him and his son recently wow. went to China. Humility. And they said uh, it is impressive the amount of EV infrastructure that is developing in China and are happening very quickly. There are solar, there is wind, there's high-speed rail. So China really is uh, getting its act together, and it's demonstrable for just a foreigner driving around going, hey, structure. That's that not infra. That's not EV infrastructure. That's infrastructure that right. you just mentioned. But yes, it's a very, very impressive. China is an infrastructure machine. Yeah. It has the benefits of huge import surplus and lots of inexpensive, but not cheap, highly skilled labor. So a lot of people can be put on a lot of big projects like uh, you know panda-shaped solar arrays. Which yeah, is I don't from, know about that. Which is from Mikhail, Mikhail Helquist. Who says, uh, you may have missed this, guys, but uh, China is building these solar arrays in the shape of pandas, blue (laughs) and white solar panels, and they're beautiful. And apparently, they're going to build a 100 of these, and they're quite big. They're not really blue and white. So what you've seen, all of the photos and stuff you've seen are sort of like renderings of them. But in real life, they're just – they're out there, and they're shaped like uh, panda bears. And I actually found one. On Google Earth, <gasps> and we put the link here, and yeah. you can definitely see it. They're in from, progress. It looks from like from the sky, yeah. And that particular one, I don't know how old. So there was all of these rumors, like people are like, "These aren't real. These aren't real. China's not really doing this." And Snopes sent up like a drone in the area, and they found them, and they're like, "For sure, yeah, these are pandas." And if you look at them from Google Earth, you can find them. Yeah, the panda, the lower panda in this picture, it looks like it's going to be waving. Why yeah. did the Chinese love the panda so very much? Well, it's their it's their national animal. Why do we love the bald, the bald eagle, eagle? Really, which is just like a vulture that eats carrion. I can and... guarantee you, if you started building solar arrays in the shape of a bald eagle, people would get behind that. <laughs> they, would. Country. they would. But, you know, do you really want to cuddle a bald eagle? Yeah. I'd love to cuddle a panda. I don't want to cuddle. I mean, a baby panda, but not a full-size panda. They, look, they could be mean. Bears scare me. Okay. It's a bears. raccoon. Let's move on. It's not on. a raccoon. <laughs> it's a raccoon. It's Mike a Smith You're says uh, solar roof deliveries, and he thought that Robert said that uh, you weren't going to see this for a long time. That was actually me. I'd spoken to the Solar City people. We've talked about it already. I just don't think you're going to see this at the level of production where they're out there and easily viable for at least a year. Yeah, I, I spoke to uh, another Solar City person as well. I think that's pretty, pretty much the news at this point. And if it changes. You'll be sure to get it from us. That is true. Paul Honans. 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 Honans says, uh, sends us a link to this uh, PBS Nova program about batteries. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. I love Nova. Nova is awesome. Great show. If you go to this link, there are like another five videos that are just awesome about renewable energy and, you know, things that'll help keep you excited 
At the same time, the current administration is opening up more federal lands for coal mining. He also has another note here, which is about the Gigafactory tour. How long does it take? And since Robert has taken 400 Gigafactory tours, <laughs> how long does it take? It's about an hour tour, maybe a little bit longer if you have questions at the end. But uh, they're pretty much churning people through on the tour. They only yeah. do like four a day. I say give yourself an hour and a half to two hours. Go on the tour. Talk to some owners out front charging their cars. Buy some swag in the shop. Hang out. See if maybe they just happen to drive up with a Model Y right. and plug it into the supercharger. Well, I mean, that's going to be the place that you're going to be able to see Model 3 deliveries yeah. faster than anything, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you you know, here, I don't know how Model 3 deliveries are going to go in Los Angeles, whether they're going to do the, the normal service center thing, at least initially, or if they're just going to go, hey, come get your car off of our parking lot. Yeah, bring some extra IPA because you, know. you might be able to bribe one of the Tesla employees yeah. taking a delivery that they'll let you sit inside. And he also says keep up the awesome work and he thinks Cece is the smartest because she keeps her distance from our ch- from us chuckleheads and that's an excellent point. That is true. Corey Boiling has a link to a YouTube video which is about Norway exporting its carbon footprint. I haven't bowling. watched this but I... Also, yeah, Corey's name is Bowling. He's not Boiling. <laughs> He's Boiling. He's really hot. Global warming. Uh, um, I don't. I haven't watched this video but I presume it's the fact that Norway actually mm-hmm. gets most of its electricity if I'm correct from uh, geothermal, mm-hmm. and so it has a low carbon footprint when you look at the country in terms of its electricity, but it also has a lot of oil that it exports for its cash. So maybe that's what it's about. I haven't watched it yet. Duke Talam, Talam, help me. Talam. Oh, let's call it Lamb. Uh, he has. Uh, thanks for. Uh, He's thanking you. He has a couple dilemmas. Okay, what are his dilemmas? Like, Range is king. He's really on the fence. He's trying to figure out when he's going to get delivery of a car. Should he go for the full range? Will he get the tax incentive, the $7,500 U.S. tax incentive? He he just doesn't know which way to go on that. And there's Tom has opined about this. He thinks he should get delivery sooner. I was saying, and we talked about this earlier in the show, that you definitely want to get it before quarter to 2018 ends. I think that might be the last quarter for full tax incentive. It might go another quarter, depending on how the rollout of of the cars are built, if there's any supply chain problems, lots of unpredictable things. Yeah, he asks a few questions. Like He asks questions about range. I say range is a personal thing. RS is 200 miles, and 160 miles is how we typically call a full charge on it. But then it gets probably about 140 miles before it needs to be uh, recharged at that. So our commute is super short, so that's not a huge issue for us. If you drive mellower, you'll get more range. If you want the range, get the range now. So he's sort of like, do I get the range and back off on the autopilot? As Mel said early on in this show, wait on the autopilot, get the range. You won't be able to add it later. At least we assume you're not going to be able to add it later. In my experience, my first car had an original range of 250, now probably in the 242 range. Uh, the new car has a 300 range. Going from the first car to the second car, I have now lost my range anxiety, period. And I drive a lot of miles. So if you do drive any longer than the typical 25 miles a day, you should go for the 300 miles. Yeah, I agree. I think having that extra range in a lot of circumstances, it's just good. Even though you may not use it a lot of the time, most of the time, it's nice that it's there. I don't know if it's worth $9,000, but it is to me. Uh, Don Miller has uh, some conspiracy theories about uh, EPA-rated range for the Bolt versus the Model 3. I'm not exactly sure what you're getting at, uh, Don, but 
there has been some independent testing recently of the Bolt range versus the Model 3, and it seems that the, the Bolt more. has really underestimated its range. Yeah. A lot of people in independent testing are showing that this car goes way over 250, whereas the Teslas don't quite get as much as they say they do. And have. I will tell you this, the same goes with Chevy's Volt. So Chevy's Volt, the new Volt, uh, I think has around a, a 50 or 60 mile stated range. My friend who has one is getting, you know, 72, 74 plus, right? So they're getting, GM is sort of under-promising and over-delivering. And, so and nice. people think that Tesla might be over-promising and under-delivering. He thinks maybe Elon might have something up his sleeve. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. We'll see. Yeah. Dave Turner has a letter for Tom. Yeah, he said he appreciates my occasional foray into the state of the used market. So, How, how occasional I, is that? A lot. I check a lot. <laughs> All of the occasions. And so the least expensive S available in, in my thing when I go, you know, price low to high is $47,000 with 62,000 miles. Now, that's a lot of miles. This car has a lot of features, uh, but... You know, I would say that they are in general holding value very nicely. But I would wonder this in about two years, when CPO Model 3 starts showing up mm-hmm. and every single one of them is autopilot, has autopilot at least on board, right? right? That's sort of one thing that you see in the CPO store right now is most of the vehicles don't even have generation one autopilot right. uh, hardware on them whatsoever. So, Will that start to affect those older S's without autopilot? Probably, but man, that's still an awesome car to drive. Like, it is. I, I wouldn't necessarily say my S is going to have no value because it doesn't have autopilot. There's a going to be a lot of people out there who don't want any part of autopilot for forever. Yeah, we, we did a survey essentially last yeah. show where there were four people on the show and one said he had no interest yeah. in autopilot. That's 25%. I would say that's probably a national average. Yeah. Kevin Lutz has a letter here which talks a little bit about physics and the fact that the way batteries work and how fast you uh, can charge them and discharge them has a lot to do with how many different cells and stuff you've got uh, for another time. But most importantly, he is also concerned about this spending a lot of money on his kids to get them a safe EV versus another car. There's been a number of letters on that. I was a little concerned that I would, I was just, just sort of um, being boring, which I'm doing right now. That's a different person. Um, which is a lot of people are having the same dilemma. Do you get your kids uh, an EV and you want to get them the right EV with a lot of range and a lot of safety and that's a lot of money or do you do something different? I'm glad I'm not the only person who has this dilemma. Yeah, Chris Yoder also wrote a letter with the same dilemma talking about the various decision processes he, his wife, mm-hmm. are trying to go through and, and I think it's great. I'm glad that we tapped into this dilemma so we could all have this discussion. Yeah, and he has an early signature Model S, number 64 and he has a, a 2013 RAV4 EV so he's asking do we give the kid the RAV4 EV, ship it to college where he is or does he get a model three for his daughter i would say again like all of these things it depends where is your kid going to school if they go if he's going to uc santa barbara that's a town where there are fifty thousand bicycles in massive bike racks everybody rides their bike around that college town so he doesn't need a car at all or she doesn't need a car at all in that uh particular situation so a lot of it just depends on is is the is his daughter going to be living on campus how many you know there's a lot of different factors involved do you want her to be able to drive home 
uh, during the breaks? Or do you want no part of her dirty laundry? <laughs> I'm just really glad that he's thinking about keeping the whole family electrified yeah. and not just going the, quote, easy route yeah, and Mel. buying a gas car. That's, yeah, Mel. I know. I'm having this dilemma. <laughs> I want a fully EV uh-huh. Family and uh-huh. today, uh, later this afternoon, I'm going to go see uh, an Inconvenient Truth sequel, and I'm sure uh. I'm going to walk out of that and go, "Boom, get me a bottle free because I'm going to buy my way out of this problem." For sure, that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Andre Evans Ross has a letter for uh, one of you. Yeah, so I responded to this. He's talking about the Tesla maintenance plan, where you can pay what seems like a lot of money for the maintenance plan, and it gets you your yearly maintenance, and it probably saves you somewhere around 15%. Where can you find this on the website? Is it in the shop? Like, where can you find information about purchasing this? If I own a Tesla today, and I want to go online and learn about the maintenance plan, where is it? I know when you buy the car, they give you something like 30 or 60 days to buy this maintenance plan. I'm not sure if you can buy it without logging into my Tesla, but okay. what this does is your people have argued that, oh, this is a big ripoff, but the reality is that your maintenance, uh, the last time I went, it was $600 on the Gen 1 because it was like a 60,000-mile maintenance versus the earlier maintenance, which was like $400. And so it changes over time. It goes up because they have to do more work on the car, but the reality is a lot of people are not even taking their car in for recommended maintenance because there's not much going on with the car. What they did on my first maintenance, I'll always remember. They rotated the tires, they filled up the washer fluid, they replaced the windshield wipers, and they washed the car. Yeah, that I don't, was it. I don't see it on the my Tesla, so I would be curious like if there's a way to even see what the maintenance plan is online. Yeah, we'll I don't know if research. there's any details, but yeah, maybe there's more on there. I haven't looked for it recently. At the 60,000 mile maintenance, it was an extra couple hundred bucks because they actually replaced some lubricant, like an oil that sits in one of the gear assemblies around the battery drive mm-hmm. unit. Mm-hmm. Daniel Quivero has something to say to Tom, and I don't follow this, so uh, let me read it. I've listened to a total of 2 minutes 25 seconds of the show this week. The beginning. I have one question for you, Tom. Do you know the definition of an inflection point? I do not. Singular. I think you went down a notch this week, buddy. Now comes the part where you tell me I wrote this before listening to the rest of the show. (laughs) I don't care. And I would say (laughs) you're probably right. I listened to that as well, and I thought to myself, man, what an idiot I am, because I do believe I mentioned multiple inflection points, which (laughs) I think is wrong. I don't think you can have multiple inflection points. On any single line, I think you can. Is it singular? I don't know the answer to that. Because on an EKG, we talk about inflection points, and there are many of them. Oh, see, there you go, Daniel. Dedrick uh, from the Talking Tesla Black Caucus. Uh, the Talking Tesla Black Caucus is gearing up. Joel Sapp, Talking Tesla Black Caucus number one, swung by DC to visit me, Talking Tesla Black Caucus number two, <laughs> while in the area to see family. Joel has come on board to be the administrator of the Talking Tesla Black Caucus Facebook page Woo-hoo. to help develop a social media presence, as you have mentioned and have discussed on uh, Talking Tesla Black Caucus virtual meeting. As you mentioned, we have discussed Talking Tesla Black Caucus virtual meeting and soon in-person meetings. Thanks for being a space that helped us initiate to bring this all together. I'm concerned that you're all going to become uh, masters of the universe when we move to Mars. This is a real <laughs> movement going on here. It's taking over. It's huge. I think it's awesome. I look forward to hearing more news and to getting pictures. Bravo. Yeah, that's awesome. Paul that. Boyd says, Paul. please answer my question. Will a high-end Model 3 charge as fast at home as my Model S that I paid extra for with the fast charging port? No. 
Why? I don't understand this. Like, please explain this to me. 40 amps at home is 40 amps. 30 amps is 30 amps. He's no. not talking about supercharging. Mod- Model S. The Model S has a 72 port. amp. Yeah, you can get the dual charger or the upgraded charger on Model S and X, which will take up to something like 72 amps. Uh, you have to have a 100-amp circuit to okay. do this. So that's the thing, right? 90-amp, so, 100-amp circuit. So, But it, all things being equal, if you just do the 50-amp circuit, which is what we have and charge at somewhere about 30 to 40 amps, those will be the same I charge so. rates. Yeah. Yes, I believe so. But the it is true. I don't know how big a deal it's going to be. If you've got the fastest charging in a Model S, you can do about 50 to 60 miles per hour of charging with the Model 3 only about 35 Do we know that to be 100% true? Like, is that in the spec. So if you're at home yes. and you got the Tesla charger and you put it on a 100 amp circuit, yes. the Model 3 does not charge. They say it maxes out, I think, at 36 miles per hour of charging because it has a 40 amp uh, yeah, it just has to do with the charger that's the charger equipped there on the car. Fast. But if you get a 100-amp circuit at your house, you can daisy-chain yes, a couple of full speed. Yeah, two or three Tesla wall chargers, and then you can charge all your cars at once, and it, it would be beautiful. That would be cool, yes. Yeah. So it does say on the press site, standard battery, home charging rate, 30 miles of range per hour at a 240-volt outlet at 32 amps. And the long-range battery, 37 miles of range okay. per hour, 240-volt outlet at 40 amps. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm sad. You know why I'm sad? No. Why? Because we've come to the end of this show, which this is, again, is breaking records, Woo. not in listenership, <laughs> but in length. So, again, we know sometimes we thought we think personally that the earnings calls are very very interesting because you actually get to hear very solid information very truthful information from the the top brass at Tesla you hear Elon you hear JB you hear all of the other members of the engineering team that are important and and the and the finance people and so it's important for us to go through it. It takes a while. We understand. Next week, uh, number 99, we will be back to our normal shenanigans and talk about a thousand things, and we'll try to keep the show under a day and a half. <laughs> We're going to try. We're not going to promise. Yeah, we can't promise. We're going to try. This is Talking Tesla. It's Tom. It's Robert. It's Mel. I'm exhausted, and I'm sweaty. Yeah. I'll be admitted. A bit smelly, uh, you know? This well, room you are was the not, smelly part of the show. I am the smelly part. This small studio was not equipped to handle a two-hour and 25-minute podcast. No, I actually bought the one-hour, 30-minute podcast room, <laughs> and, uh, you know, this tough is what happens. Out. We have to tough it out. We'll talk to you next week, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We didn't even get one electric in. Oh, my God. I just did. I didn't turn the recorder off. Boom. <laughs> ah. Talking Tesla is a production of Fully Boo Incorporated. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wolfson, and Robert Rosenblum. Edited by Eliza Jane Barnes. And produced by C.C. Herbert and Mel Herbert. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash talking Tesla. To find our referral codes, go to talkingtesla.net forward slash about. And finally, if you love the show, go write us a review on iTunes.